that all I need like. I just love the skating and the scene. Rain, rain, go away. All I need is a skateboard today. Board today. This is the Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and All I Need Skate founder, Anthony Shetler. So everyone was, it was hot. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, they're looking for their dad's fucking metal skateboards in the garage. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah. Get on this thing. <laughs> Each episode brings you amazing discussions with interesting people from all walks of life. Kind of when skateboarding clicked for me and you learn some tricks or whatever and you get that appreciation from your peers, you know? The other skaters are like, holy shit, like, yeah, dude, that's rad. Admiration. Yeah, yeah the admiration or the, the affirmation. Real. Recognize real. If I didn't experience those crazy moments in my life, then these great moments would never be as great as they have been. Honestly, like for me, I just loved it. Like I saw those dudes, I saw those videos, and I was like, holy fuck, this is sick. Yeah. This is what I want to do. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. As always, each and every episode is brought to you by All I Need. Uh, I just recently updated our site with a bunch of new skate edits and our new skateboards, um, our socks, new t-shirt, new wartime series decks just came in yesterday. Those are going up probably tonight or tomorrow. Um, but yeah, allineedskate.com is the hub. That's where you can check out all of our content, and if you don't live near a skate shop that carries our boards, or you don't live near a skate shop at all, and you're trying to support or cop or check out one of our boards, please do. Once again, that's allineedskate.com. Our guest today is the legendary Ron Allen. Man, I was so hyped to do this podcast. I was waiting, like, we lined it up like two weeks ago, and I, I just knew Ron was a legendary dude, man. I seen him at the Tampa Pro Contest and out in California, and I could just tell that he was a legendary pro, man, and he didn't let me down. Uh, enjoy, guys. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'd be fortunate. I'd be very fortunate if I get to 50 and I can still skate like you, you know? So. <laughs> Oh, man. Respect. Thank you. Yeah, man. All right. Well, I think we're all ready. I think this thing is rolling, and that's rolling. Let, let's start at the top. What What was the first thing that got you sparked on skateboarding? There was a guy in my neighborhood in the town of Visalia, California, named Pat Peaks, and he had a California super surfer, and he lived two houses down, and he came from Tustin to Visalia like, to visit his brother, and... He was like, you ever seen this kid? And I was like, no. And he goes, it's a skateboard. And I remember looking at it, and for some reason, my garage, like where I lived, was sort of like a, a not, the street ended, but it wasn't a cul-de-sac, but it sort of ended at this white fence. And the way that they made our garages were sort of like transitioned little banks, like all throughout the neighborhood. So you could kind of drop in and then roll back up and drop in. And like, so for probably like a good, like, six months to a year that's all i did on this guy pat peaks board he literally 
he's like, I'm going back to L.A. And it's like, do you want your board back? And he goes, you, you're you using it way more than me. Just keep it, you know? And my parents were kind of like, uh, you know, we'll get him one. We'll hook him up. So I gave the board back to him. And I was like, I was like seventh or eighth grade. And, and then I even, in the seventh grade, I was part of like the school government. And I had a skateboard contest. So I put on a skateboard contest in the seventh grade. But I didn't even have a board. <laughs> like, you, the hype is real. <laughs> <laughs> we're like... We don't even have a board. I was like, dude, it's a skateboard contest and they want to do it. So we just did it. And then, like, after that, that Christmas, I'll never forget, my mom made a joke. She goes, yep, got your board that Christmas and that's the last time we saw you. And it was like, oh, damn. I there was under the Christmas tree. Like, I think I was all of, like, thir- 12 or 13. And it was just like, and one of the, cal- they, they literally bought me the California Super Surfer that that kid, Pat Peak, let me ride. Damn. So that beginning of, like, whoa like riding and riding and riding and then my friend pete who was like he was probably more instrumental in me skateboarding because pete was a criminal but a good criminal he studied criminology and college and stuff and so he would sneak into the wood shop next to his house and he would cut boards for us but he would even like he would glue the tail on and then he would like wood he would like wood uh, wood vice him hide him somewhere in the shop then later, after the shop would close, sneak back in and grab our boards out. And we'd have these, like, at that time, Logan Erskies were, like, the sickest boards. And we had copycat Logan Erski fake boards that we made in the wood shop, right? With the wedge tail. The board was flat, and then you glued a wedge tail onto it. Yeah, you guys didn't have, like, a typical, like, popsicle-shaped board, huh? No, no, it was all, like, you just, I think mine looked like a, mine was just a, like a, almost looked like a tube like it was just big you know as big as you could make it you know and like I remember we didn't have the shape was always we tried to follow that Logan Erskine shape so it had a pointy nose until them shit started hitting you in the ankles then you're like we gotta figure out this nose thing but I remember that was like one of the funny like comments of that and Pete had a ramp so that was always like skating like was the skating the training skating the training skating Bert skating training like learning how to drop in putting the two by four with the two nails going as far up and working your way up to the vert and just it was at that time it was just street skating was really just from my house to pete's house yeah and i had the car- freeway and i remember just skate 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 they have to cross the freeway get in other side skate 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 to pete's house never ever did any tricks or ollie or anything just push 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 get there and then on the ramp skate skate skate, skate yeah skate. that's good though that because like I teach skateboard lessons nowadays, and that's all I teach them is like how to pump a mini ramp so they can learn how to keep their find their balance, and then how to push so they can find their center of balance and push. push. Like, yeah. I was like, I was known in my city of Visalia as the kid that would you see pushing on a skateboard. Like, I was <laughs> somewhere. We would like there was a kid Curtis. He had a thirty-two foot wide ramp in like in Visalia in the East Visalia, and we would skate five miles to his ramp, but we'd have to stop at the Baskin Robbins. And call him like, can we skate? That was about halfway. Damn. And if he didn't, like, he was kind of like a little bitch ass. He'd be like, no, I can't skate you, gay. And we, <laughs> oh man, you know. <laughs> so we'd be sat far out, you know. And you'd just be like, oh, this is Visalia. Visalia in the summer is like a hundred and ten degrees. You know, they'd be like cracking eggs and frying shit on the sidewalk. <laughs> Out there with some big hat, just skating in the heat, man. Parents, my parents are like, what's wrong with our kid, man? He's crazy. <laughs> And I played sports in high school, and I got, you know, junior high, I played sports in high school, I started playing sports and stuff, pretty decent athlete, but I was like, man, once I found a skateboard, it just, 
Like, I didn't even want to play. I was like, in tennis, I was playing tennis. Didn't want to play tennis. Didn't want to play football. Didn't want to play basketball. Like, the only thing I really want to do was skate. And then, like, some dude was like, some my sisters were cheerleaders. And they were like, you know, all the when I was really young, I used to jump on dude's shoulders and lead the crowd in cheers. So my sister's like, you should be a cheerleader. And I was like, be around girls? And then she's like, yeah. And I was like, wait, this is sick. What? And she's like, you should try out for mascot. So my junior year in high school, I tried out for mascot. Yes. Oh, this, you get to go to cheerleading camp and I'm like what's that and they're like 5,000 girls and like 10 dudes and I'm like what and then I went to cheerleading camp and it was like 5,000 chicks and 10 dudes <laughs> like I was there like oh this is so crazy and that I was there at the camp for like teaching then I came back again like my senior year in high school when I was a cheerleader and then I went to like college and I was a cheerleader in college and we went to camp again but that year now I'm three years back I'm kind of educated about camp and the guys couldn't really go up in the top floor guys were on the first floor and I was like last day of camp I'm like I'm going up on that third floor them chicks from Petaluma were hot you know <laughs> so I go up on the third floor I'm talking to these chicks and one of the people from the camp says oh you know Ron we're looking for you. We want to talk to you right now. If you have to go downstairs, what are you doing up there? You know, it's against the law. And I'm like, oh, my. They're like, dude, you're in so much trouble. Oh, so gnarly. I'm just sitting there like, oh, man, I'm going to get kicked. My squad's going to get in trouble. All the people ran in the room and they're like, we want you to be on staff. And I was like, what? And they're like, you get to be on, like, USA staff. And you get to travel and, you know, teach kids during the summer and, it was just like, for me, cheerleading was just a lot of gymnastics and, you know, arm motions and stuff. And, you know, I could do toe touches and backflips and stuff. So it just kind of fell into that role. Like, I was like, wow, I liked it, you know. But then, I even in cheerleading, got to a certain point, three years teaching USA. And they didn't like skating, but they didn't know about it. So they kind of kept it cool. But then I showed up to be a head instructor, like, try to be something bigger than that. And I was growing dreads. And it's just when you go dreads, there's this nappy period that you go through that you just look horrible. Like, like people look at you like, you need to cut that, bro. Like, it ain't really growing in no dreads. Like, your dream and hope of where you'll be ain't where you're at. Like, they call, it's, the, it's the gold, it's before you get the golden crown, you get this sort of, like, nappy head, right? Yeah, my friend, my friend, he, he grew them and his mom hated him for it. She was so mad. <laughs> Steve was like, he was a teacher. So he was like, 
He's building mini ramps at his high school in Sacramento. And he's taking me around going, you know, Ron, you go to these contests and stuff, but you never think about, like, what? He goes, you just go. And I go, yeah, dude, you know, the fun, you get to see everybody kind of, like, show off a little bit. And he goes, dude, you ever, like, plan your shit? And I was like, no, nah, dude, just skate. He goes, you should go to each obstacle and get a trick and then try to put it together. Then you have, like, a line. And then you never know what can happen from that. And I was like, damn, see, that's kind of crazy. You know, like, sure. I was at this Napa contest. I remember I was like, all right, I'll, I went to each thing, tried a trick on it. Okay, and then I did every trick. And then, like, I think I got, like, second or third or first or something. I was like, oh, my God. Like, and Steve's looking at me like, see, I told you. Look, <laughs> <laughs> Good looks, good looks. <laughs> and so Steve became kind of like the, the, the catalyst of keep going with the skating thing. And that's when I was kind of like, well, I was still kind of on the fence. I was serious on the fence. And then I went down to Isla Vista where I had been at going to school in Santa Barbara. I went, they had these contests every year. And the year that I went, Jesse Martinez and Nottis came. And it was like this big contest, which what I would do when they said 15 seconds, my friends would come out and lay down on the course, like five of them. And I was finally <laughs> over them. And it was like, yeah, you know, like, so what, like, I kind of shot the water early and did it in my first run. Like, I didn't wait till the semifinals or finals. I just, look, I'm jumping five because let's go. You know? And I jumped them. And Jesse Martinez is like, yo, bro, we bringing out the hardwood on you now. We coming there. I'm coming with some new shit. And we were like. New shit. We thought we were the new shit. It was like Frankie Hill, me, Brandon Chapman. I think Jim Debo was even in that crowd of people. Nice. All of us. And then Jesse did that wall right thing where he put his hand on the wall and pushed up the wall and spun his board. I've never seen. I've never seen that in my life. I was like, "What's he doing?" <laughs> like, no. Nice. He like pushed off into a street plant like, and then came to the ground and was like, "Okay, all right, what's that? What's nice. that? What's that?" And then Nottis ran, 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 jumped to backside wall ride on the wall, come in. First time we ever saw that. Literally after that contest, every wall in that town was fucked because people were coming. <laughs> and walk, man, it was just like, oh my, because Nottis and Jesse, so it went from, I was like going into the finals first and then in going after the finals third. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesse won, Nottis second, or Nottis won, Jesse second. But I got third, and I was really like, oh, wow. And I was riding for our favorite, uh, you know, no disrespect, I was riding for a sponsor who will remain nameless. And he said, you should sell all your winnings to get home. And I was in Santa Barbara, and I was living in Davis. He goes, you know, just what'd you win? I go, an airwalk bag, some shoes. And he goes, yeah, sell all that. And then, you know, you can get back home on the bus or something. And so I remember, like, hanging up the phone. And I was like, damn, like, I won, but I feel like I lost. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you won all this stuff, but you got to sell it to get back home. And, and Everett Rosecrans, standing at the payphone, two payphones down, goes, man, you, you skated good today. Well, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, man, my sponsor's like, <laughs> and he's like, call him back and quit and ride for vision. And I'm like, <laughs> I quit. <laughs> and then I started getting bored from vision and, then I went to something in Las Vegas, and it was... Who, who, cool. sorry, to, sorry to stop you, but who was riding for Vision? Like, what's the state of it at that point? That was Mark Gonzalez, was still, like, sort of, like, one of the main pros, and, like, I got a chance to meet him in Dayton, but I was on... That was when it turned to 8th Street, but, yeah, Mark, like, with Mark Gonzalez, I think Gator was still around in that period of time, and, you know, they were... Vision, 
at that period, Kelly Rose Trans was on there, all these like sort of bigger, it was getting large, and Everett being Kelly's father and me, and then we went to some contests in Las Vegas, and like I remember in that part, there was like Marco Seiss and Steve Seiss and like Danny Way, and we went to this invite-only contest in Las Vegas where they were like, these are the top 32 AMs or something, and we were looking around like all of us, like I remember Ray Barbie was there, and I got, <laughs> I got like second, okay? What? And they, and okay, envisioned, okay, so I get second, Kelly Rose Cats first. They go, alright, Kelly, right on, you're gonna turn pro. And they turn to me. Now I'm the oldest thing on the block right now. And they're like, you wanna go AM one more year? I'm like, uh, it's like, then I got a job at Leopold's Records and, and, and like, I gotta go AM another year. And like, you know, back then, vision clothes were kinda like, you couldn't sell that stuff, man. That stuff was kinda ugly. It was just, you know, people had a specific wear, and you'd be like, oh, man. So I remember being like, dude, where I live, man, vision ain't as cool as where y'all is. And, like, and I remember just being, like, dilemma, like, what am I going to do? And hence, that's when I ran across Mike and Tony. Well, Mike was the first one. Met Tony through my friend Scott Obradovich, who worked for Tony when he Uncle Wiggly. Yeah. And I had Tony through Uncle Wiggly, but Tony wasn't even about talking music or talking sponsorship. It was more like, hey, what up? And then Mike came to camp, and which is really funny because... At skate, the first skate camp in Reedley, California, but this guy Bobby G has it, and Bobby G and I went to high school together, and he had our friend Al Gutierrez, who went to high school also with us, like graduated two years before us, and, and his brother Benji was like, they were running the camp, so they, they said, Ron, come up and do the camp. So it was me, Jim Thebo, Don Fisher, and Karen Zapata, and we all came up to do this camp. And we looked around, and we're like, okay, so uh, where's this trade area? They're, they're like, you're building it. And we're like, what? And they're like, okay, what about the vert ramp? And they're like, you're building it. And like, we all looked at each other like, you ever built the vert ramp? You know, and like, I think Karen was like the first to go, I'm out of here, man. This is stupid. <laughs> so me and Jim and Fish just, we just held on throughout the whole thing. And like, we just believed that it was a good thing that we were doing. And you know, waking the kids up in the morning, and then Mike Trasky shows up because Al Gutierrez used to be a wrestler at my high school and went to Cal Poly where he was on the same wrestling team with Mike Trasky. Nice. So, so Al, like, what are you doing? He's like, Jim, I'm running this crazy skate camp. Come check it out. <laughs> and it's, the rest is kind of history. And, and the real history there for me and Mike was at the end of camp, Mike was like, you guys do this for free? <laughs> like, we're like, yeah, we like, you know, five weeks of waking up the kids in the morning, taking them here and doing this, that. He goes, you know, people get paid for this shit, dude. And we're like, well, and he, and he's like, you know, the guy who's doing the camp is making like $700 the week before camp, every day. And we're like, what? <laughs> so Fish did some crazy, Fish talked to him some crazy way and he wound up paying us. So that was like the first thing that was like, wow, Mike got us paid. And at the time, my mom was going through like uh, breast cancer and she was in the hospital. And so Ternaski drove me from like San Luis Obispo or with, I don't know where the camp was in Reedley or yeah we drove to um, to the, where my mom was in Fresno so he gave me like a ride to see my mom nice. and in that ride he talked to me about skateboarding like all about like what's this skateboarding thing about you know and I'm just like dude it's so cool and this and that and I was just, I was just probably be blabbing you know yeah. just like think it was and how cool everybody was that you got to skate with and he just listened and listened and listened and was just like well and then later after you know, saw my mom, everything kind of went around. I get a phone call from him, like, I'm starting a company. And he, that's when he started H Street. Nice. And it was like, first, I was like, well, that was the first pro that I guess he called. And I was like, 
yeah, dude. And he goes, can you get yourself to Las Vegas? And I was like, why? He goes, oh, we're here for an amp contest, but you can come and you can like sign the contract in Las Vegas. So the only person I knew in Las Vegas was Brian Lottie. Nice. Because <laughs> I kind of befriended him earlier, like he'd come out. And, and so I'm like, Lottie, I'm flying in. <laughs> I'm signing contracts, you know? And he's like, what? And I remember he was sitting next to me when I signed my first pro contract. How old were you? I was like 25. Nice. Damn, like, sick. Sit down, sign of the contract, barely reading it. I mean, I'm trying to read it, but it's like it said five hundred dollars. It could have said five hundred dollars, you know. And like, oh shit, and they handed me the check, you know. And I was like, I remember getting back on the plane to go home, going like, I just made five hundred dollars, and I'm gonna make five hundred dollars for the next year from skateboarding. Like, <laughs> and the check bounced. <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, so I called Tony and Mike, like, yo, man. Yo, the check bounce. And every time I called them when something would go wrong, I'd have to be like Negro. Like I would always kind of be like, yo, man, like, <laughs> it didn't go right, man. <laughs> <laughs> like tighten it up real quick, get kind of serious. <laughs> Negro, I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Figured out, we got it. Sorry about that. So they sent me a second check, and that check bounced. God. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm about to quit, man. Like, and every, you know, everyone's in your ear, your girlfriend's in your ear, you gotta quit. You know, and your friends are in your ear, yeah, they're playing you. And you're just like, but you know, they're two nice guys. And when I met them, they were cool. And, and then I'm at the train show, walking around, right when this is all going down. And this dude, Dave Brown from Syndrome, nice man. He's like, hey, Ron, what's up? I'm like, hey, he goes, my name's Dave. I'm like, hey, Dave. He goes, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, God, uh, hanging out at the train show. He goes, walk with me, talk with me. And I'm like, get me a dub bar. And he bought me a dog bar. I remember I was like, oh, well, you got some money. <laughs> like, it's a trade show. You gotta understand. You know, you've been enough trade shows. I ain't run trade a, a dog bar to trade for like 10 bucks. Delicious, you know? though. Delicious, though. <laughs> He's like, boom. I'm like, ooh. In my mind, he got some money. Like, wow, okay. So he sits me down. He goes, I hear having some problems with Ain't Street, man. Like, checks in the bounce. And I'm like, how did you know? I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And he, it's in his pocket, stack 5G on the table, looking at 5G. And see, back then, if a check bounced, that meant that every check you wrote off that check bounced. So, like, I'm living in a low apartment that had a red check bounce, PG&E bounce, phone bill bounce, all the checks that I wrote off that check bounced. So, I'm, like, in debt to the bank for bounce checks and stuff. Jesus. And this just dropped 5G on the table, which would cover all that, you know? Like, <laughs> deal with the devil, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Tony and Mike have been nothing but really good to me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with H Street and, and we gonna work it out. You're and a good Mike, man. <laughs> back over and took his five G out. I was like, you know, if I was really a bad human being, I know that man got five G on him. <laughs> That's amazing. You turned it down though. I definitely a lot of people wouldn't for sure. Well, and you know what? That time in skating, what I saw was people taking that taking that opportunity that came quick instead of really looking at what it was about, like. A lot of people got the wrong attitude about Mike and Tony back then trying to say that they were paying for us to skate and stuff. But they had to come to the realization that we were some hungry ass niggas up in there, man. Like, you know, there were some people that were like, they weren't eating, they were skating. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, if you can say to somebody, I'll take you to dinner if you land a trick. You know, when you're hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. I was... <laughs> Funny, you know, and for me it was like, oh, hey Mike, hey Mike, I'm a little older now, I want no dinner. He's like, what you want? You know, you can get me some herb. Yeah, nice. <laughs> rice, everybody had their rice. But at the end of the day, you're looking at this footage and you're like, damn, dude, thanks. 
you you know you helped me shine in a sense and i think people got that little wrong back then i think i even myself kind of was like whoa i don't get it but as i got older i realized wow that's really cool like he was feeding us like he was like you know feeding us and then towards the end like you know in a street a street when it got towards the end it wasn't that it was it was bad it was just that tony had gone mike mike had gone his way tony was doing his thing and we were kind of stuck in the middle and but we were once again i swear skateboarding is this way to me is the most luckiest thing you'll ever be involved because if you can luck out of a trick you can luck out in business because when we were okay so we're we're, we're life now we got the life video out sheffy now has gone to plan b mike has gone to plan b it's jesse newhouse myself john reeves the donger we're all chilling and we run into dave lively who had the company called fat nice right? And we're chilling at his warehouse, and he goes, and he could tell, man, you know, you give a couple skaters a couple beers and a couple joints, words come out that everyone's not so happy, you know? And the word came out, the four of us were kind of disgruntled. <laughs> it's like, we all were like, you know, I'm not, you know, I know Tony, but I don't know him, and Mike's gone, so, you know? So Dave's like, you guys should start another company, and we we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, if I start a company, I call it a fun. <laughs> and John Reeves is like, yeah, just fun, period, you know? And it was like, oh, shit. And then, so we made business cards, F-U-N, period. And he, Dave Lively kind of drew them up for us. And then he took me to the copy store. We showed me how to make copies. He showed us how to print a shirt. And so we literally, two days into the train show, went back the third day, handed Tony Mag our new business card and said, we're, we're fun now. We're no longer alive. Appreciate the work. We're going to go on. Damn, that was fast. That's internet age type shit before, though. <laughs> No clue of what we were doing. <laughs> I was literally, and I remember we said goodbye to Reeves and Donger on the way driving back up here. And Jesse was excited. Newhouse was so stoked because he's going to be able to draw his own graphics, pick his own shapes. You know, he had a real, he was a real, like, he had a, you know, precise thing about his skating and he wanted to make sure that was under his feet. So he was stoking on that. But yeah. I can tell you, I make a joke about that. I could not wait till he fell asleep. Because I wanted to just cry. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, how do you start a board company? How do you order boards? How do you get t-shirts made? How do you even have an ad? How do you do all this shit? Oh my God, how do you... I don't... I mean, I go to sleep, man. If you... When any he sleeps, I'm crying. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm to call nobody. I'm sitting there like, uh... uh I would drive home. Let's get it. So we get back here. And the first person I stumbled in his office, Fausto. It's like, hey, Fausto. Uh, <laughs> you gotta help me here. And he Fausto's like... The first thing he said to me was like... uh He's like, oh, so you think you're going to be in that H Street days where you're going to be ordering thousands of boards and pallets and shit, huh? And I'm like, well, no, I see the market a little bit different now and maybe half a board pallets and maybe not even full boards. Like, I'd be stopped if you could sell a thousand boards like we did back in the day. You know, it's when, you remember, boards kind of switched. You couldn't sell a lot of boards, but you could, you know, put out a lot of graphics and stuff. And so Fausto was feeling me, which was cool. Sent me over to, you know, Jim and Tommy and Jeff Clint and... That's how I started working with Deluxe, and that they they taught me a lot. Like yeah. They taught, like, there's this guy, Kirk DeWald, who I owe to this day about how to budget. He not only taught me how to budget in my business, but it kind of trickled into my life. Like, <laughs> like, because what was going on was they were the first ones to be real with you, and mm -hmm. I love that about them, and I don't care what anybody says. Like, one time I gave away $3,000 worth of stuff. And I had, I made $3,032 worth of stuff. And they slipped that $32 check over like, you need to start giving stuff away. You <laughs> 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 know, simple. It's like, I got it. And he pulled me in and he said, you know, if you did this, 
$700 worth of giveaways each month, then you, you know, you actually make, you're making money, but you're giving away so much. And I was like, oh, dude. And that's when I finally realized that. And like, you know, there's some other things where I'm trying to help out riders, so I'm throwing extra in without writing it down. And it's, you know, in a way, it's really just stealing from your, you're stealing from your distributor. And at that point, you don't realize you think you're helping your riders. And yet at the end of the day, you're kind of like, ah, man, you do anything for it because it's your company. Yeah. You do anything. You had like people living at your house, yeah. and they look like, yeah, because you can't quit. Because if you quit, you better find a new house. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I ain't, I, if you quit, I ain't kicking you out. But it might be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then I was like, one day I was like, gonna write a book about different companies that I had, and I realized that like your company goes through generations. You know, like you go through like first generation fun, Jesse Newhouse, and then Donner. Who was, to be the honest, Donald, one of the most professional human beings on this planet. Amazing on a skateboard, too, right? Uh, on a skateboard, hands down. But this dude, this dude, before anybody, he's like, I'm not, I don't, I like what you guys are doing in life, but I'm down here in San Diego, and I'm, I'm going to maybe stay down here and work with some of the San Diego sponsors. So he called the wood company and said, don't make my board, because I'm not going to ride for them. And so I don't want you to have an ex- extra cost without, you know. And I was like, and Deluxe was like, he called the wood shop. They were trying to get mad. And I was like, no, no, you don't get it. That's Donner, like, saving us money. And they're like, oh, shit. Like, that's just that's just how he is, man. He's like, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to write for you guys and out of respect for you. I'm going to call the wood company and say, hey, man, don't make the Donner board out of that set. And, the, you know, the wood company's like, fine. Yeah, give him a heads up. That's amazing. And that's the kind of person that, like, Donner is. And to this day, I always hold that man in high regard because of that. Like, you go, dude, most skaters back then were so pissed off and angry at shit that he was very, he had a real calm sense about him. And, you know, to this day, I find that to me, like, why I like, he made, he's, I love dealing with him. He makes, uh, he made a beat on my album and just like, like that kind of people that, like, I think H Street had this hype, but there were some really deep, great individuals that regardless of where the skating was, were like the ones that were like, were pumping us. And we were pumping them, you know, like your your like your Steve Ortegas and your like um, John Schultes and those guys. Like they probably don't get the notoriety as far as like, but they were the guys that were like putting the heat on fools back then. Yeah. Person I ever saw do kickflip back tail, like seriously, like clean, like like get down, like yeah. Go, let me do a kickflip back tail, and all you got is kickflips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know a few. I know a few dudes like that that fucking definitely show up at the session and they dictate how it is just by how they carry themselves and they and how they do their tricks and it, usually they are they usually are don't get the recognition you expect you know. And that's the thing. It's like nowadays, you know, with the internet and everything, these guys you can kind of see maybe you get a chance to see their footage from behind and stuff or what it is or, or you know like we had like guys like Ray Simmons and like you know a lot of the guys like. Jeff Pettit, those guys were amazing, and they were like, those guys added the heat because of how big they went. Yeah. You know, jumping over ladders and shit, and you're going, <laughs> I remember, you know, seeing that stuff and just going, well, you know, I don't really have that stuff in my part. I, you know, got a couple tail slides and stuff, you know. <laughs> like, and you remember, like, there was like, such a weird, like, a, you'd feel weird sometimes because you knew you had to find something to bust out on. You, you're like, fuck, I gotta, I still got that now. It's almost like it never left me. Almost like you realize that during that period of time. You kind of, I might have been on like third gear because I was so tripping. I was like too long of being a pro, so I was understanding the game, but the new game was coming. Yeah. And you're watching this new game come. I mean, getting called out in the parking lot, me and Hensley, 
Mike Tonesky. I'll do the Mike Tonesky voice. Yeah. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron. Ron, come on here. Hey, Ron, Matt. Ron, Matt, come on here. Right? We're like, what? Go ahead, Chef. Shit, there's a big-ass oil barrel in the middle of the parking lot, right? Chevy just comes hauling ass at it. Just backside 180s it in the parking lot. Like, you know, like if you would just, you know, if there was a curb there, you know, he just backside 180s it, pushes away. Like, where's he going? Comes back, 180s, half cabs it. I'm like, is he done? Then he, now he, he goes back around, comes back over, and fake it all, he's it. And, he, and, Ron, and he's looking at us, and I look at Hensley, and I'm like, you got that? And he's like, no, man. I'm like, you got that? He says, you got that? I'm like, Oh man, oh, he's coming home, man. He's like, and we just literally just walked off back in the porch, back into the hotel room. <laughs> you know, this is probably a little sick. I probably cracked a beer and smoked a joint. You know? it's like, oh god, yeah, it's yeah. It's, that's a crazy part of skating is like, you do, if you're in it long enough, you gotta pass it on to like the next. You know, like. There's a Jim Sebo board graphic that I still think to this day. Whenever I think of my skate, it's like. It was a relay race, and the third guy didn't want to give up the baton. <laughs> Genius. Like, no, I, I got it, dude. Well, I got your back. I got you. You know, and I always think about that, like, graphic. Like, there was a lot of real graphics that made me laugh, but that was one of them. I was like, dude, that is a telltale sign of a lot of us as skaters. Like, oh, I'll finish. I got it, you know? Yeah. But a lot of that stuff, too, is like just those, you know, you know, companies and you just love it so much and you just want everybody to have that same experience. And you don't even, like, sometimes you're so horrible at it, like, that people have to, they're, like, like it's like this, like Huff. Huff, to me, is one of the nicest people in the world because Huff knew way more than me. And so, you know, I'm the company owner. But he knew way more than me. It was like this. Wow, that gets hella smart. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he's like, we need to make a video. I'm like, we do. <laughs> he's like, and I'm like, how do we? <laughs> he, tells, he goes, well, you know, we don't have the editing software, editing equipment. I'm like, yeah, it's like $30,000 back then, you know? And he's like, well, we can go VHS to VHS. And he goes, you know, we can have the team do it, have some ands on the, on the beat, you know, have some of us on one side, one or the other, and you and I can. And I was like, damn, okay. So got a VHS, got the cords, and the first Fun 93 video was made that way. Right. I remember we went to Primus and asked if we, we got rights to their music. What? And like, it's so crazy like that. Like, oh shit. And Huff was a constant push. Like, let's do this. Okay. Then he's like, here's some, more, here's some photos for ads. It's like, oh shit. Okay, cool. You know, and like, I like another little backside story. Huff was like, you know, we're doing ads. And this lady came over and asked us to talk to me and Jesse about ads. She said something. We didn't get it right. She said, hey, you know, back in the day, you sell ads. Someone says 800 a month. Well, we didn't realize that it ended a month for a year. Yeah, yeah, times 12. <laughs> so, were I paying 800? They're like, what are you doing? And I was like, pay my ad bill. And they're like, you realize this is uh, like a yearly thing, Ron? And I was like, what do you mean? And they go, well, it's uh, you're 10 years deep, 10 months deep, and you got 400 into, let's say you had $800, let's say you're at 10, let's see, okay, you got 10 months, you're about, yeah, about 8000 in debt. Oh, like, man. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, how, how does that happen? Like, wait, and so, you know, first person I go to, Fausto. Fausto, you gotta help me, Fausto. And he's like, you fucked up. Yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> I, I, I thought 800 of, like 800, like, like, here. He's like, he goes, didn't you figure out about four 
months, like $800 is $3,200. And I'm like, you know, I, when I would make my payments, they would always look at me funny. Like, <laughs> You're making like quarter payments. Like, <laughs> like I forgot to tell you, I have sick ad space. I'm probably in the first or second page of the ads. So like, oh, shit. Like, they're looking at me like, is yeah. he like wondering the money or something? You know, and I'm just like so idiotic, have no clue, right? So I go to Fausto, dude. What should I do? He goes, dude, I got you. You're gonna write a column for slant. I go, I am. He goes, yeah, I'm gonna pay you a quarter word. You're gonna get for both, <laughs> and <laughs> and then we're gonna pay. That's how you're gonna pay back your your slap bill. Y- yeah. Okay, so I would be like, there's this whole little about a two year, three year stretch of on little columns and slap. You know about getting my car stereo ripped off in New York and getting it back and like Jeff's urban transcendentalism stuff and just writing what I mean and trying to be like get down with the 200 words with this much money and oh my god but I paid it off and that was like that's the type of industry that we had that's the type of industry like nowadays that would never happen but that's the type of industry we had that, that someone would you met enough to someone they would look out and help you pay a bill that you were ignorant about but they knew you had heart about it you see they knew like Fausto knew that man this guy's not gonna I'm not gonna not see this dude anymore this dude's gonna he's obviously coming here owning up like a grown up he's got a bill but at the end of the day I'm not gonna have to chase this dude down this dude is like stand up I'll pay he's gonna pay his bill you know but here let me help him yeah and you know, you had to turn it. You had to turn in your, you had to turn in your stories. And I was hard on Lance Dawes, and those guys were like, "Come on, Ron!" Like, I didn't, you know, like you printed the last little bit, or like, and it was, but it was really like, in literary wise, I've always looked at that like, man, I got to get those back and maybe put them in a book or something, and yeah. let people read them because it. A lot of it's details of like the crazy stories that we had on tour and stuff, you know. Did you know so, how to write? Hmm? Did you know how to write? You know, it's funny how like college and stuff like that prepare you for that, and then what you, when all of a sudden you gotta pay a bill, you figure it out. Like, <laughs> like, you go, you, you're like, well, this is pay my bills. Okay, let me read these little writing things. Okay, oh, and no, online, I'm going to the, the public library reading. Like, okay, this is how a writer writes, reading other people's stuff, and you know, it's kind of. I've just as a skateboarder, I've always felt that if I need to learn it, okay, now there's the internet, but I can go to the library and figure it out. Like, uh, school's cool, don't get me wrong, no disrespect, but sometimes, you know, going to college and through those years, I realized that a lot of self-education is kind of the, the key to your knowledge of moving forward business and having, like, I'm so blessed to have, like, these friends that are such wealth of knowledge that I'm, like, always brain-picking them. You know, like, my friend Dale Han, he's here, I'm brain, how do I do this? How do I do that? <laughs> like, that's Tony Bag, I'm always asking. Jim Thiebel calls me up, man, I can't believe I crack his brain. You know, just Joey, just Shea, any of those, I just got to talk to them and get glean the information that they pass on, and it's almost as if, like, you just feel, like, so blessed to be able to get that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they could just be like, come on, man, you should know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, it's like a lot of stuff back in the 90s was so ghetto bound with such love that you you didn't care that you didn't know you knew what you knew so you just go after it yeah. where like i remember like tours where you'd be like me and mickey rays i was just telling them just today mickey rays and i were like you know uh he's like uh like, we're gonna have a contest to see who can set up the most tours dates you know i'm like all right you know and 
So I always kind of just fucked around. And how many you got? Uh, I got like 10, 12. Knowing that I was like, oh, I was balling, yeah. calling everybody, right? So at the end, he goes, I got like 10, 15. He got like 20 or something. I go, I got 48. Wow. So I won. Great, I won. But then now I got to go on it. <laughs> 48 demos? <laughs> <laughs> no. I got to get guys to go on it that it's like, yeah, you ready to give up two months of your life? Like, uh... Yeah, and like if you get injured, well, you know, you're just gonna have to keep going with it, <laughs> and like you know, and and at the end of the day, that was like a lot. I mean, that showed a lot of like Huff and those guys, man. Wow, gnarly to see them stick it out and hang tight and just be like almost like the beginnings of their pro days were there. They were AMs and pros clothing, I say, because yeah. they were just already there. They were knowing how to be on the road, and you know, and like. I can't really take credit for any of those guys because if you, the credit that would be taken would be almost that, you know, you knew and what. A lot of it was based off of this ignorance, but it was kind of a sick ignorance because somehow you would always work out. But it was like, whoa, dude, you, you go, whoa, that was, that was another one, you know, like, you know, like, you know, we were in February one time, beautiful weather, looking beautiful outside. I'm like, we're going on tour. And I'm like, Ron. And I'm like, I'm calling shops in the East Coast. And they're like, really? And I'm like, what? And they're like, we're coming. And they're like, you know what? You know what? It's snowing out here. And I'm like, oh, I can't be that bad, you know? Ha ha. I got the Honda station wagon. You know, ain't got no snow tires or chains. We're just coming. You know, John Reed, fly up. Fly them up. Get them up there. Let's go. Pick up, pick up Travis and get in, uh, in Colorado and go get Jesse in Chicago. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Whoa. God. We I mean, did. We when I was younger, I did some trips with Fiberrow, and we went through the Midwest. And like during the winter, and the highways were so gnarly. I counted like thirty trucks that had been like slid off the road and shit. It's fucking crazy. We're, like, we're doing three sixties, five forties to Banky on the freeway. Everyone is in the car. Like I literally am going down the freeway, trying to look for the dry spots. Oh shit, no dry spots. I hit the road. My dad tells me the best advice I ever get from my dad. He goes, if the car starts spinning, take your hands off the wheel. I take my hands off the wheel. Everybody in the car is screaming at me. Put your hands off the wheel. <laughs> like, I'm not supposed to. Car trips back out. Do a little three-point turn. So scared. Drives 30 miles an hour. Everybody passes you. Because now you're actually really scared. You don't have snow tires. You don't have chains. Your ass really shouldn't even be out there. Yeah. But you are California. Everywhere's bloody. Everything's beautiful and cold. Everything's cool. And then, man, it was like, by the time we were done with the last demo, it was head south 55 all the way to New Orleans. <laughs> we're trying to get to some sun. Yeah, for like, real. That like a, a real like you know wow like people are like I, I just noticed before like you're coming out really <laughs> okay yeah shit sorry yeah but yeah a lot of, a lot of trial and error and but a lot of great times yeah know? yeah those the, when I first uh, got sponsored and hooked up kind of I went out to SF too I went to Deluxe and that was like to see that at a young, young age and what they were doing in the warehouse and all the people and like the history and all those dudes it was so sick like um, they definitely have something sick going on, you know? Oh, it definitely for me was a, it, it was a, to see them come from, to, I helped them pack boxes when they had, hey, Ron, what are you doing? No, nothing. You, you feel like packing some boxes? You know what I mean? Like, well, paint, got some beers and pizza, and like, it's got a lot of orders to fill and stuff, and like, you're just, you know, we don't have to so go over there and help them pack some boxes. That was in the early days. Yeah. And, you know, that was like the days of like King Solomon, you know, those days when they were, you know, I've always just seen them rise and come up and, 
you know, that's why I went with them and why when life came up, when, when life became fun, they literally were the people who were like kind of coaching and talking to me through it. And, and you know, they could have easily just, they had so many responsibilities of their own. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, that's what kind of sometimes you realize about people who do that. They kind of got their own responsibilities. They really don't need to be messing with you, you know, so you're really stoked. But yeah, they, but they were kind of a hub then. But now you look at them and you're like, oh my God, you know, but something for them to be proud of they've come from like a long way yeah it's weird because i think about nowadays and like i don't know there's like a different mentality like nowadays kids want to get sponsored you know like some of like that generation you're talking about is seemed like they just became the sponsor because they figured it out and like like you're saying you everything you're describing i'm like yeah you guys just figured it out you're on the fly you're making it happen like like you know, like at some point, you're pretty much, if you don't make it happen, you know you've got to go back into the job world, which, like, guys like me, you know, I, I, I not to get emotional with them, but I've always had tough times in jobs. For some crazy reason, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that people pick out to not lie, complain about, have problems with. So skateboarding, music, all these other alternative things, a lot of things, the reason why a lot of us do them is because, you know, and when you're in that world and they're doing that thing, you know, they talk about bullies and stuff. That's funny to me. Nobody's ever bullied me at a job. At a job, when someone's acting that way, I'm always thinking it's all funny because I believe in karma. So I'm always kind of laughing at, like, you can treat a person however you want when it's at the job, but you got to go home knowing now you treat somebody. And if you can go home knowing that you treat somebody ill, good luck. <laughs> but I, I find myself not wanting to be in those environments because, like, I, I find myself being, like, in those positions with people where you, you can't really... You know they're treating you horrible, but you can't go outside and beat their ass. Yeah. And I, I, that's, in a bigger sense of the word, it makes me feel for a lot of American workers. Because, like, what I've seen from a lot of American workers is a lot of bosses that we have, they don't know really a lot what's going on. You can go to a lot of jobs in this world, and it's the person that's right below the boss, or it's the people that are right at the where the rubber meets the road that are working hella harder. And, like, sometimes it really makes, like, I've seen it through, like, a lot with my ex-girlfriend. She, like, had worked a lot of jobs where the people were just really kind of, like, idiotic. Yeah. Just, wow, like, and then, you know, she'd come home and she'd be bombed and you'd just be like, damn, you know, that's not normal in the way that the world works. Yeah. Like, you're being treated like that. And if someone outside the world heard that, they'd be like, no, that's not the way you treat people, you know? And that's why I tried to run my skateboard companies, like, try to treat the guys the best way they could be and I always tell guys like this you're gonna quit yeah dude you know what that is uh, it's cool let's hope you're quitting sideways or up not no don't go down don't go backward in a sense and a lot of guys kind of didn't understand that I'm like look you know with me you got this wherever you feel you're at if you feel you're down and you need to come up great because that means you want to come up in your life nobody you don't start here's the thing you don't start a skateboard company to disescapeboard and that's one of the things that I've seen as I started skateboard companies to help skateboarders. You start a skateboard company and someone wants to quit. The minute you start to diss them, you're a kook because you started a company to help them. And in helping them, they grow. And in that growth, they might grow away from you. So once you start dissing, you're like, wait, 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 wait. You should have sponsored in the first place. You don't even like them. So at the end of the day, I honestly wanted my, the people I sponsored to, like, huff, probably one of the toughest people to come and say, you know, I'm leaving. And it's like, but I, I it, it's like, Huff was one of those dudes that were, on that, the night that Huff came to say, I'm quitting, 
I was looking at him like, wow, you know, you're a great dude. You helped me out so much, and I want nothing but love for you. But I have to admit, I had met this 6'3", beautiful, green-haired, green-eyed model who was in the bathroom at the time who came out, and Huff looked over and was like, no way. And then Huff, like, you know, shook hands and left. And at that point, I remember getting emotional, and that woman said to me, and she goes, that was your guy, huh? And I said, you know, he was the guy that pretty much got me to where I'm at. And she's like, and so where do you go from here? And I go, who knows, you know? And she's like, well, I got this bottle of champagne, and we can think about that tomorrow. And I was like, whoa, dude. I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, in this room, there's a, like, it's like, it was like, I tried to do the best I could with this guy. And at the end, I think I was really... You know, you, you you can't be bummed, and I don't think he was. He's, and to this day, I know he's not. He's, he gives me shoes, so yeah. it's like a thing. It's rad because my reality with him was, man, you don't realize how much you taught me. Yeah. And that's and funny nowadays. We you know as older people, we always try to act like we can't learn. And I was this younger person who was a lot older than people, and they were just teaching my ass, teaching me, teaching me, and I, I still to this day teach me like. Like, Carl Watson's kid taught me how to Instagram, like, make sure you do it at 5.30 in the morning for the East Coast. It's like, the, the kids, man, like, if you learn from them, if you don't diss them, they teach you. If you diss them, good luck. Because old people, man, that's one thing, we're stuck in our ways, and so we don't have that kind of, sometimes we don't have that jovialness to, like, want to be, like, learning and out there. So kids, man, they don't know. So they're just like, I want to do this. Yeah. So, all right, so like, and that, Skateboarding's taught me too. It's like skateboarding's had so many new people. You know, like Johnny Fonseca and Brad Scaba, Travis McLaughlin, all these dudes were like, I got an idea. You know, and you just had to listen and try to manifest it, you know, and like, it's rad to see them all doing so well in what they're doing in their skateboard pursuits. I mean, this is one of the funniest things. Full circle and skateboarding and sports, and sports, if you want to call skateboarding a sports, I think of it more of a lifestyle. But never in anything in this world has a person rode for somebody, then come back around and rode for somebody. And there's, this is what I like, huff rode for me. And then now I got on it, I email him, and I get shoes. Good <laughs> joke, like, this is really a crazy cipher. Like, it started out with you calling me for boards, and now I'm calling you for shoes, or hitting you up for shoes. See, and then when I was getting 3D and skate mental boards from Brad, so at one point, it's like, both of the guys that I sponsor were sponsoring me. Uh, that's a good sign, though. It means that you guys kept skateboarding in your life, and you built it in there somehow, you know? Yes, and both of those guys passed the 20-buck test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to have this thing on tour, 20-buck test. Give somebody 20 bucks, see what they do with it. Nice. do with it. What, am, like, what would happen? Like, Give me, like, a contrast, like, it's someone who did something horrible with Tony and someone who did something legit. <laughs> oh, I'm going to say horrible, because, like, I don't think it's horrible, but maybe you got 20 and you went to the bar and bought your friend's drinks. Yeah. It was balling. Fair enough. Drinks, cool. That's cool. <laughs> huff, huff. I'm at the gas station. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, I got to get that. I get my wallet out the back of the car. Oh, dude, I got that 20 you gave me. Nice. Oh, no, I gave that to you for, you know. Oh, no, no, no. Here, here you go. Just put that in the tank. Damn, what? Yeah. Brett, uh, I bought everybody sodas. What? Huh? He's like, you gave me that 20 and everyone needed drinks. You're like, damn, kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, those are, they're, they're kids when they do that. They're not adult men, but they do that and you go, another thing about Huff, called home. Always, always called home. Like every week, call either mom or dad, somebody. Yeah, structure's good in life. I like to have structure to know. I, I like that test. I have one of my own. It's like a social experiment. It's like people, 
I find money, especially in the ghetto too. I always find it on the ground. I'm like in the like, I'm like this is dude. We don't even value it. You know, it's like the thing that we go to war for, and all these decisions are made, and everyone's struggling because of this thing. But we're still walking over it. You know, even the pennies. You know. Yeah. So I kind of watch that always. I'm always like weird where I find money on the ground and like. I always tell people to pick it up. I'm like, just pick it up. Or I pick it up, you know? Like, fuck it. <laughs> Two more steps on your way to a million. Maybe yeah, I mean, the, the inches add up, right? If, if we're moving in a direction that we want to go, right? Well, especially nowadays, like, it's like every everything helps and everything counts. And, like, you know, we just have to have more worth with all peeps because that little bit of money on the ground can change a person's life sometimes, you know? And I think that's what I look at, like, skateboarding. I've seen money in a way change people's lives but in a really good way i mean like when i was i got on the cover of thrasher and uh you know i signed some contracts at that time with like uh i think it was oj wheels or i think it was like santa cruz wheels at the time and then like h street and at that time i worked for goldwing and i land on the cover and bryce hits me up like dude you're on the cover of the magazine and i'm like right on tomorrow when i go to work i'm gonna tell everybody <laughs> nice. So, oh, so you should come over, come over to the city, you know, see the bag, you know, get get some of the bag, you know. And I'm like, uh, I got no money. <laughs> he goes, you don't have any money. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm working. I'm between checks. I'm just kind of broke right now. Got enough to escape the work, escape home. Oh, we got the top ramen in the thing, right? Nice. It's like, goes, dude, don't you have contracts? I go, yeah, but you know, right now it's kind of in the early days. You know, he goes, Bryce is like. Go read your contracts. Go look in, like, just read every inch of it, right? So I'm like, okay, yeah, Bryce, cool, whatever. So I go back, open up the first Santa Cruz one, read it, and, you know, start looking down. It says, oh, fun one's in it. I'm like, oh, fun one's in it. So if you're on the cover of a magazine and you have Santa Cruz wheels and a, and a graphic on your wheels, you receive, like, I think it was like $250 or something. And then it said, like, if you have a sticker, it's another $250. I had, like, six stickers. It was like, I was like, what? Like, and then look at my going thing, and it's like, if you have going trucks on the cover of the Thrasher or Transworld, it's a thousand dollars. Hell and, yeah, some royalty. Yes. And like, <laughs> and like, literally, like from, from Monday to like when the checks started coming in Wednesday, it was like, holy shit! <sighs> Are you serious? I was like, I was broke. I couldn't even get over to the city. Now I can take a limo over the city. And I was like, I ain't gonna do that. But I'll definitely be able to put gas in my car, drive over, get the bag, say what up the price. Yeah, that is was the most amazing thing for me. And I'd always, whenever I'd get a check from skateboarding, I would never drive to the bank. I'd skate to the bank. And people would be like, why? I'd go, because that's how I earned it. I didn't earn it. I ain't no professional driver. I'm a professional skater. So this money came from here, so I'm going to skate to my bank. Yeah. I remember people being like, you skate always to your Yeah, dude, that's how I, you know, it's like I want to make sure I remember. You didn't make this money, you know, like on some, you know, you ain't no magician. This is money made, you know, money earned. You know, you skated it hard. And it reminds I got a funny story for you, man. Like, <laughs> like this early age, dude, like, you'll you'll love this one. Dude. Like, seriously. Nice. Uh, Tony and Mike love showing videos. Like, they, you'd go down to see them, and they, and like, Tony, to be honest with you, Mike was the first person to ever take me to this place in La Jolla and get me, a, like, a metaphysical tape and a, a sports concentration tape and a winner's edge and, and an optimism tape and you'd listen to him and you're walking and like I remember being like who is this dude right like what a trip right and so he was kind of coaching Tony and coaching everybody you know and then and, but not coaching like telling you what to do but just showing you movies and maybe you get inspired so yeah like if you them. if you teach one teach, you know you learn something you share with the crew and hopefully everyone all ride all what is it all tides uh 
high tides rise all ships, right? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> He's hustling. <laughs> uh, so, like, dude, like, okay, so he crashes at Caesar's Palace. Like, he crashes. So they're calling all these people. Nobody's answering the phone, obviously, because it's him. They're like, man, your people don't even like you. Like, okay. So, it, with that in mind, I'm watching this, like, whoa. So most people would get evil can evil, daring, take your chances, jump shit. Not me. I was like, damn, I bet you I could probably do that myself. I probably could do that. <laughs> So I went home, and I flew back home, and I was sitting there for a second, I was like, okay, I'm going to try it out. Okay, so I just picked a shop in Florida, and I was like, hello, it's George. <laughs> hey, no demos for Ron Allen. Would you like to have Ron Allen at your shop? Ron Allen, come and do your shop for $2,500 in a plate. Did you get Ron Allen? Oh my God, I'm going to get the owner. Oh my God, I'm the owner. You know the owner like, no way, this is, this is George. I set up demos for Roland Allen. Would you like to have Roland Allen come to your shop? And they were like, yes. And like, okay, Sandy, send the plane ticket here. And like, you know, and like, so the first time I did it, I was like, the plane ticket came. Holy shit, dude. Like, I got on the plane. I got there, I'm like, Roland, I'm like, hey, you know, they're like, you know, make sure they didn't use the accent. And like, they did the demo. Slap twenty five hundred in my pocket. I was, I was like, "Thank you." Got back on the plane, went home. <laughs> Holy shit! So I was like, "Okay, well, let's try it again." So looking on the map, like, oh, I've never been to like how about Minnesota, like up there. Boom, hit a shot. I'm like, hello, this is George. George is my middle name, so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> like, so I'm just knocking out like demo after demo after demo. I got like ten demos from that. No, really. Like, Right? And I'm just like, Tony and Mike are like, man, your boards are really selling, man. Now, that's like feeding sugar to it like a, hey, you know, I'm like, they are? Well, okay, let's see if they are. Let's heat it up again, George. <laughs> About the 12th time, I get a ticket to fly to San Diego. Just out of nowhere. I'm like, whoa. And they pick me up at the airport. And they're like, come on, man. What's up? I'm like, what's up, guys? How's things? And they're like, Alright, who's this George dude? <laughs> and I'm like, George, I'm kind of off to George, who you talking about? No, I'm like, who's this George dude? He's setting up demos, you know? Like, <laughs> He's killing it, George is on fire. <laughs> I said, my dog, he's like, he's killing it, like, I'm like, like, first of all, I go, am I in trouble? Like, you know, like, am I in trouble? And they're like, no, we were kind of hoping that maybe you could, like, maybe George could do that. But, like, you know, we got, we're thinking about getting Matt and Hensley involved. And I was like, I was like, okay, dude, wait, I got to tell you, it's your fault. And they're like, it's our fault. What did we do? I go, you showed me that Evil Knievel movie, man. And they're like, and what's that got to do with this, dude? And I'm all, well, you know how he was all those different people? I go, I'm George. I'm <laughs> Thing. And they're like, but we're not going to show it to you for like, you know, he jumped, he was daring, you know, he's 
I need to strategize on how to make money. <laughs> <laughs> you already had it jumping down. <laughs> I don't even have some. I was already wild enough to try some jumping shit. But I was looking at, well, damn, he had that, and he did that, and then, you know, he had three dudes. If I was just one dude, you know, and like all those shops totally took care of me. It was like amazing. I met so many, like I went up to Florida and I met like Lance Conklin and Scott Conklin and Bo and it was like incredible to go up there on that and like just all these little places where I just, and I sort of, in a way, and I feel this way, not to like, you know, diss on anybody on H or whatever, but I feel like my doing that laid the path for where H Street would go. Therefore, H, that's where H Street picked up all these sales and was able to sort of do these tours because they were sort of not following me, but sort of going where I had already tread. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, come on, there's a, there's a funny saying that Dale Soul says, y'all been fucking the same holes that used to be mine. <laughs> you know, like, you guys know that chick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> of chaos and order you got to find a balance in the middle because if you're too reckless all the time or you're not focused enough it's like the shit can happen crazy you gotta be sharp you know yes and it's like me trying that thing being somebody else and trying to like talk about you know whatever it really was like me just sort of like trying you know like early days trying and i can even go back this is like nutty this is nutty a freshman year in college I don't know anything about the Aspo series, but my friend Tammy, she lives in Woodland Hills, and she goes, I'm going home for the weekend, so I see, oh, there's an Aspo contest happening in Reseda. I'm in Santa Barbara. So I go, hey, man, can I get a ride with you? And she's like, sure. I'll, you know, drop me off at a gas station in Woodland Hills, and I'm clueless to how far Woodland Hills is actually to Reseda, which is 14 miles. So I start skating. Get about seven miles, eight miles up the road, and it's dark. It's like, well, she dropped me off at like five LA, and I'm like, it's like midnight, one o'clock, and I'm like, damn, I need a place to sleep, man. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, and I see this like rental car thing where a bunch of rental cars or whatever, and I like try the door on a Jeep Jimmy, and it opens. Oh, shit. Throw my shit in the back, fall asleep in there, wake up the next day, go to the contest. Then start to skate back. Skate all, I don't do great at the contest. I think I dropped in, ran, and somebody broke my finger. You know, I think I got my master, like, second to last, but just, like, just totally had not me. Twisted ankle, broken finger, got back home. I was like, okay, thank you, I tried it, and tried it back home. That was, ver that was worth the sleep, uh, sleep in someone's car? <laughs> someone's car, like, in the I'm like, um, it's, seven, it's 14 miles, I leave the contest, and then I get late at night again, I have to meet her in the morning. So I find another used car lot, and I see a van conversion. Doors open, and it's got a bed. So I lay out, sleep, like, oh, man, crash. But when I wake up, she was meeting me at, like, 7. It's 9. So I skate to the gas station to see her. And she, the guy's like, yeah, some lady was parked here, but she left, man. And I was like, ooh, that was my ride. He goes, where you got to be? I go, Santa Barbara. He goes, you know, you're on Woodland Hills. That's two hours. I go, is that really downhill, though? And he goes, 
Well, I mean, you know, there's this thing called the quest to grade. It's like really steep, you know. And I was like, well, I kind of probably can't shoot that, but I can probably shoot it to that, you know. <laughs> He's looking at me like he goes, like, so you're thinking about skating home? <laughs> like, well, you said it's like two hours. He goes, dude, it's two hours like mountains and fucking stuff. Like, well, what's the flattest way? <laughs> He's like, so right about then, this like. Like a motorcycle comes up, a guy and a couple, like a guy and his girl and another guy and his girl, two motorcycles, and then two more motorcycles come up, and they're like, and the guy's talking to him, and he goes, dude, I got you a ride. They have a truck that's following just in case their their motorcycles, you know, break, and they'll give you a ride. Nice. And so I get in that car, and they're going to Santa Barbara for the weekend, like, wow. so I get a ride to Santa Barbara, and I remember the dude could roll joints with one hand. <laughs> that was amazing. Like, so we're driving up. He's like, his girl says, show him, come on, show him. I'm like, show me what, show me what. I'm like, oh, God, this is where I get marked. This is like, you know, so I'm like, show him. Stab him in his chest and rape him or something, you know. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And she, she reaches and pulls out some herb. And he's like, rolling his hand. She puts the herb in his hand. And, the, and boom, 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 he pops out the joint. I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to do it again, dude. That was so sick. I want to see it again. I'm smoking a joint. What this dude? I was like, this is so sick. <laughs> That's L, one hand, dude. Fucking. Three hand and joint rolling. I'm going back home to campus. And then I remember I was like, my friends were like, how'd you do? I did shitty, but I did it. And and those were early days of like, see, because after, when you figure that type of shit out, you kind of like, yeah, I can do it. Like, I can go out there, I can go to this contest, or I can go to this thing, you know, go to this demo, or whatever. And I see it now when that's kind of the way it has to be in skateboarding. You have to, like, just like I'm sure you thought, gotta get out there. You know, like, it's, it, it, it proned itself to having you travel and, you know, you just, I remember I bought a car and they, and Mike Ternesky clowned me. He goes, what'd you buy a car for? I said, well, you know, I gotta drive back and forth and stuff. He goes, oh, so like to look good or something. And I was like, well, you know, it is a Honda. It's nice. You know, and he goes, you know, a lot of people buy cars to travel. You want to go travel where? And he goes, you know, you can go skating, go skate places. And I go, he goes, there's a contest in Texas, you know, where you guys, and I was like, okay, we're driving. <laughs> He's like, he kind of pushed me out. And then after that, I drove across the United States like 25, 26 times. That's amazing. You know, just, just crazy, like, you know, learn, figured out how to do it with self, like vegetables. That's, that's the best way to travel across the United States. With a big thing of water, cut like celery, cut carrot, some tomatoes, and just roll, you know, some good herb, but you know, you gotta be careful. <laughs> for <laughs> sure, was, for sure. Back then, you know, you were definitely, you could see where like that, like that's when you really kind of saw your diet getting played with, because you could see stopping at fast food places, which were, you know, grinding up the road, and then you'd be like, damn, dude, I got hammies. I got hammies one year. I was like, damn, what is this? He's like, you got hammies. I was like, what's that? He's like, hemorrhoids. <laughs> I was like, no, damn. He goes, you ain't drank water probably on the whole tour. I was like, no, I've been like sodaing up, you know, and he's like, mm, you need to drink water, man. Your body's like craving it. I'm like, oh, that's why, you know, and so things like that you learned on tour. Yeah. You were like, oh, dude, I got to keep the water going. Yeah, that's always good advice. I give advice to everyone, too. I'm like, bring water, we'll be able to skate longer. That's, like, the selling point. Like, you skate more if you drink water. <laughs> so I would always tell the kids at camp, you know, I, had, I did camp, too, and I did it for 15 years, and I would always tell kids, you know, your body's made of 98% water. As you sweat, you lose percentage of that. Why not put it back so you can keep using it, you know? And, like, yeah. parents are loving it because they're like, hey, damn, Ron, you know, you we say it, they don't listen, but you say it, they listen. And I'm like, you know... You know, I'm just like, you know, I have to be careful because during the camp years, 
you know, I'd be telling kids like, oh, man, that's dope. <laughs> and then like, then like some parent would be like, you know, I made dinner last night and little homie was like, mom, dinner was dope. <laughs> like, Sorry, you know, like, where did they get this? Uh, he was like, that shit is dope, mom. <laughs> you know, you could be good. <laughs> you gotta be careful there too, because sometimes you get so hyped. I would get hyped that the kids would do stuff that I would kind of like, be like, that's my boys. That's my nigga right there. Oh, wait, that's my ninja right there. Yeah. <laughs> Some kids would catch you and they look at you and like, I didn't say that. Don't do it. <laughs> My first Instagram came from kids at camp. I was at camp. My one of my, like, camp was about to be over. And these two kids at camp were like, you don't know. They told me about Instagram. They got my phone. They, they got me on Instagram and they set up my Instagram. I was like, thanks. <laughs> I was like, damn. That's dope. To be honest with you, that, they're, I, you know, I can, I always like, I don't like talking shit about skateboarding, but I love talking some shit about some cities. And at the end of the day, that city dude did the gnarliest thing to me. And it was funny because at the end of the day, I was just there teaching their kids. You know, I was just there. I was in the city of San Rafael teaching their kids. And it was little McGinnis Park, having a good time, seeing all these kids grow. There was this kid, uh, Jeremy McNamara. He's the main filmer right now for real. It's amazing to see where he's come to where he was. A lot of the kids, though, they're still skating. And one day I'm skating there, you know, I'm there, or I get to camp, or to camp early, pick up the rocks, make sure the kids don't hit those, check things, just, you know, get things cool. And I noticed that these, these dudes, these security dudes, like the, the rangers, right? They have what is the opposite of prejudice towards, like, being a black kid and going to places. You know, we make a joke, like, that's when the moms, like, all black kids came to moms, but they purses under their seats. You know, like, oh, shit, here come the poor, here come the, like, when the black and the poor and the Latino kids came, you know, white kids do. Moms were like, oh, shit, I gotta put my purse between my legs, and then these niggas are steal, right? Yeah. So you understood that. As a kid, you understood that. Don't take offense to that. They just, that's the way they feel or whatever. But I'm hanging with these dudes, because I'm standing there at the beginning of camp, they're there, and these rangers, as kids are getting pulled up, you know, they're pulling up, parents, it's kind of an affluent area, you know, parent pulls up in a ranger, you know, or parent pulls up in a, you know, maybe a Maybach or something, who knows, you know, and the dudes, they're they're like, kid's probably a little asshole, and I'm like, what, and they're like, that kid right there in that range rover, man, probably a little asshole, I'm like, are you guys prejudiced from affluence? <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, most people are prejudiced from the opposite way. Like, those little poor kids are probably going to steal some shit. You guys' prejudice is actually, these kids are so rich that they're probably assholes. Yeah. And I, I go, to be honest, that kid is really fucking cool, man. And, like, you're judging him from the car of which his parents drive. I said this, I was like, oh, are you sure you want to judge somebody like that? So they're like, Man, you shouldn't even be out here teaching these kids, man. They don't need they don't need to be learning anything. Their mom and dad got everything. And I'm like, you know, I go sometimes in affluence and <laughs> the money that is made from that, it's a good idea to have a little flavor in there, a little support, a little bit of let me tell you about the hard times. Let me let you recognize. And I think I bring that to these kids. I don't bring some, oh, I'm kissing your ass because your parents got money. I'm coming like I mean coming hard at you if you bad if you act bad to me, I'll act bad to you. Yeah. Also, it's a really good kid, and you got a bad attitude about it. And I thought that was wrong. Yeah. So my second week of camp, they show up, and they're like, do you have a voucher to be here at the uh, camp? Uh, you know, I go, dude, been here seven years <laughs> through the city. You know, voucher. Okay, that was Tuesday. Wednesday, came through on some straight voucher. Okay, 
okay, Thursday. Now I'm kind of I'm I'm losing the town. Yeah, it's like he's blowing his he's blowing his um air. He's blowing the blow drying this air, you know, with this little glitter and blow dryer thing. And I'm sitting there, <laughs> and I'm just looking at him, right? And this is one of these talks. I don't crap about it. And he's like, you know, he kind of goes, "Oh, so why did you get that voucher?" And I said, man, you guys have been asking me about that voucher, man, for the last three days. You came in the middle of our camp and asked me, you know, and I would think that, you know, out of disrespect for me being here seven years and teaching these kids, you, you would just wait till at least the camp was over to ask me that. But, you, you know, I, you know, I haven't got the voucher yet, dude. I don't think I really need one. But, and then I go, oh, and by the way, and he goes, what? I go, you missed the spot. <laughs> and he, what? And I said, you missed the spot right over there, man. And he goes, what? And I said, well, you know, you were blowing off this little area right here, right over there, there's some, like, rocks and dirt. And he goes, why are you saying that to me? I go, well, I just wanted to see how you guys felt having somebody tell you what to do, because I all week I've been hearing you guys telling me what to do, get these vouchers for you, these things, and I just wanted to see how you guys react when somebody asks you what to do. And he pulls up his blower and he just blows it on me. Oh, what a dick. Like, I just kind of like, you know, <laughs> He goes, we're going to see to it that you never come back here again. And I was like, hey, man, everything's universal. You know, that's how you feel. Go ahead, bro. Do your thing, you know. <laughs> so he did it, dude. He went down and he said, I cussed him out, said all these ill words to him, said all this bad stuff to him. And really, I just kind of said, you missed this spot, right? Which was a smart-ass maneuver. Don't get me wrong. I was standing by that every day. I thought that was the funniest thing I could do with that. <laughs> but the way he told the story, that Friday, every Friday, we give the kids a bag. And that bag's got stickers, wheels, just stuff to make. They try so hard in the week, man, that on Friday, I'm just trying to, I don't, I'm not rewarding them for the scuffs and the scrapes and the cries and the bruises and the... Sleeping at, going to sleep at six o'clock because they never exercise like that. Parents looking at me like, damn, he's going to sleep at seven o'clock. I'm like, God, I'm down for you, know? I'm, like, I'm doing some sort of hardy ass job for humankind. And those dudes are just literally, they went down line on me. And then that, all of a sudden I noticed camp's over Thursday and I see a sheriff pull up. Okay, wow, well, sheriff. Yeah, see, he pulled up before. Oh, another sheriff pulls up. Wow, okay. Oh, wow, three sheriffs pull up. They go, we'd like to talk to you. Talk to me? Oh, yeah. Pulling me over the side of the building. Yeah, you know, uh, we heard that you um, cussed up and cussed this guy up and down, said all these ill words to him. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That's not when it all told me Mr. Smart got kind of upset. Like, basically, well, he's, you know, it's his word against yours. And I said, well, you know, that's how it is in this world. It is people's word against yours. But it's just the two of us here. Two of us here, right? It's the two of us here, right? He's like, yeah. He said, so we're taking his word. And uh, you're not allowed back here ever again. And I'm like, whoa, dude. Whoa, really? And he goes, yeah. Like, if we see you back here again, we'll arrest you. I was like, okay, okay. So now they also know Friday is camp, you know. So they so they think they're like, we're chopping off the lifeline. Those kids aren't getting bags, right? Well, mm -hmm. my ex-girl, she was like, she's one of my volunteers. She jumped that Friday, jumped in the car with the bags, brought them down. But as she pulls up, she's followed by three cops into the camp. So petty. To like eight cop cars being up in there. And she's just like, and she gets out the car like, are you all here for him? Like, do you realize what this dude is doing? Like, this dude has been teaching kids for seven years. One of the moms was like, hey, you guys got to get out of here. You're scaring my kids. And it's like all because of a lie. And I just was like, wow, man. I, I To be honest, I was like, whoa, what a way to be kicked out of something. Like, you can't be there no more. Thank you. And after that, I remember I was like, it's time for me to make music. It's time. It's, time. it's like I've been holding back on music, 
holding back. And I was actually holding back on skating too, because when you're teaching kids, sometimes you come back, you know, you don't really feel like skating and you feel like you gotta be a role model. Sometimes you want to just go skate with your friends and drink a beer and hang out. And so like, I was kind of more like on that line and after teaching so long. So I really was kind of like chilling, dude. Like I was like, man, I'm just gonna make some music, skate. And then I ran across Kira Johnson and Robert Mejia and, and like Todd Ball and they're just like skaters and they just want to skate and like go make a video part and go put on the right channel and it's just like ever I mean those guys are just amazing and I, I like you have to understand something man being on your show is amazing to me because see I've been on the East Coast making music the last four or five years going doing DC doing Baltimore going to New York Max Fish is in New York amazing you, you, in Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, East Coast right now has been giving me musical love like nobody in this world. That's like, so sick. It's amazing. And it's like, I can't even express to you how like, whoa, like, it's pretty bad. It's pretty, it, it's pretty dope. That's like, good, man. Like you, I've had shows where like, like Jake Rupp has come through and like, you know, it's like, up in New York, it's Spitzer, and it's like, it's like, you know, John Reeves, and, and like, it's, man, it's been, it's been dope. It's yeah. been like, Jimmy Pelletier, like, introduced me at the Kennedy Center. Probably one of the best introductions I've ever had in my life. Heavy, heavy one. East Coast, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, East Coast, bro. Yeah. Like, like, I don't, I don't like that East West Coast shit. It's directionless to me. But yeah. I'm just saying, man, on the East Coast, when it comes to skateboarding and music, it's just, I don't know, I know this on the West, but they just, people out there give you love. And they and they give you love on, I'm going to come out and listen to you. I don't know how if you're good or not, but I'm going to come out and listen to you, not even because you're a pro skater, but that might help. But, oh, I like what you say. And, man, when you're trying to do your best as an MC coming up musically, that is like when you go out on tour and you come back those are the things that you remember that wow on the east coast these these people were willing you know me and this guy remedy dj remedy we there was baltimore skate park and they had built a bowl and we helped them you know raise the money for the kids to build a street area we never knew that they were going to build the sickest street area that at is going to come in and throw on a contest and the guys are there stoked and all we were doing is He's like Wu Tang's traveling DJ, and I'm just hyped because he tests my every MC, tests my every MC ability. He'll throw out a chorus and be like, You got something to this? I'm like, Thank And he's so amazing, and we're just there kicking, and these kids are so dirt like, Dude, thanks for coming, Ron. This is so rad. You guys coming through, and we're just like, You know, if you're a kid from the 90s and you had a DJ at a skate jam, you'd be like, like, oh my god, you know, and these kids are like that. They're just hyped. Like, the DC guys in Pulaski, like, uh, Crispy Bates and all those cats. Some of the coolest dudes because they'll make their way to your show just so they can come and check you and give you love. And, like, I don't know, sometimes in California, we get a little bit like, you know, you gotta prove and prove and prove. And, like, man, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like, what I've realized is, is that, like, you know, Jam Team will call me the other day and said, you know, you, you need to show people all the things you do. And I was like, yeah, because, you know, I'm putting together this website where it's like, it kind of shows like, you know, I had a little show called the Skateboard Island Show. And we did like 70 of them, just for shits and giggles. And so I'm putting that out. For online? For YouTube? Yeah, I'm putting in like, uh, like old videos and you know, have some stuff for like, you know, we're in Big Cartel and then uh, on Shopify. And just, I finally decided to kind of take this archive called my life and let people have it. Because I'm like, 
you know, you're only 55 and you're only going to be in this life once. And, and like, I'm a, I'm a skateboarder just like every other skateboarder is in this world. And some of the stuff I look at, I don't even think has monetary combined or oh, whatever. And then people go, what? <laughs> like, like, is that cool? <laughs> They're like, dude, like, that's hella cool. Like, you should put that out. And I'm like, oh, man, okay. So, finally got off my ass and I'm doing that. So, I'm really excited about that. That's going to probably debut around, like, the beginning. We're going to probably, like, beta test it in a couple days and then have it by May 1st. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm I'm big on that too because like as skateboarders, we've been filming or people's been filming our lives and our and we do articles and interviews and like you have all this stuff that you can put online and like switch over well, kind of digitize. Well, Walker Ryan, Walker, who was another person I sponsored, he said he hit me up one day. He goes, "Can you put out the old energy videos?" Because I had a little company called Energy, which meant enough nonsense. Every writer get yours. Uh, nice. <laughs> and he was one of the guys on the team. Him and this guy Jack Sanchez, and they were like the most amazing writers. And Walker was like, "I was like, this guy is amazing. You know, like he's coming up, he's coming up, he's coming up. Next, you know, he's Walker Ryan. So he's asking me to put the old." Like, his old parts out. I'm like, damn, dude, I got you. So you'll see some of that. I think the fools debut it with the live video, obviously, kind of chronologically. But and then I also started something that I'm really excited about, which is it's called a, a Life of Fun. And it's like the idea of life riders and fun riders who really, I think, brought us, a lot of those guys brought us to where we are now, you know? And so I wanted to work with them on collabs and do something for Chef, do something with Huff, Donger, Reeves, and that's what that whole company's about. So I'm bringing kind of that flavor in, we're doing some, you know, reissues, but really keeping them the way they were. And then I kind of got crazy and started a company with my own artwork because I just, I think about skateboarding all day and all night, like I'm tooling into it, like I can't stop, you know? And I so I created Aiden, which is all day, all night, and it's like a little board company, but actually I created it not to be like, oh, I'm going to get players and bigger, I'm more like, I'm Ron Allen, 55-year-old skater who... You know, writing for companies is like, you know, you, you bring a drive to them, but sometimes you bring too much of a drive to them. You need to back up off your drive because you're like a 55 man's drive is, I want this, I'm going for it. And a lot of people talk for them to understand. So for me, because I'm, you know, inspiring a lot of dudes to skate and stuff, it's like, hey man, let's, let's get some boards out to these guys and get them stoked and keep in mind and keep skateboarding alive in the older generation as opposed to like, you know, everything skateboarding is about young people. Cool. But there's a lot of older dudes that are riding, dripping, pushing themselves. And I, I just feel like that market needs to just, like, have something that is theirs. And, I mean, there's other companies out there. But my thing with all day and all night is a lot of guys that work all day think about skateboarding all night. A lot of guys that work all night think about skateboarding all day. And it has this camaraderie and community that is less like... You know, I've had guys write me, man, you made me get my board out after I saw your video part. You made me get my board out. And that that makes you feel so good, dude. That's, that that's may, really... That, may, that stokes me out that you're doing all this stuff and, like, working towards skateboarding. Because, like, kind of to full circle it, like... A lot of kids, like, or people just in general think it's, like, they're going to get sponsored or something. But it's, like, the dream doesn't work if we don't, you know? Like, everyone who skates has to, like... Even when you get older, there's dudes that, like... You, they were sponsored and then they got what they wanted and then they stopped like giving a shit about skating or whatever you know it's like 
skating's only in, everyone if you keep your life in skating and you find other people that keep skating in their life and you guys build together you can create community and everyone can help each other you know it's it's Hell yeah because i mean i've had to be schooled i've done it i remember going in the janitor's office one time like yeah again i mean i'm gonna start man i know it's not all fun i'm gonna bring the fun back and jim was like what are you talking about fun's always been here man you ain't been here fun's been here <laughs> like and it's like that's true and it was true. It was like, you can't be walking up into some man who's been running a skateboard company all this time, trying to talk like you bringing something back. Yeah. It, remind, it reminds me of like when I was on Osiris, they were like, we're in this book. And I was like, what's this book? And they're like, and they're making my pro shoe and they gave me a book. We're in the great book of skateboard shoes. I was like, oh, right on, the great shoe book of skateboarding. I was like, sick. And I, they signed it, the owners of the company. Here you go, bro. I took it home, took a bong in, looked at it. And like, in one little square there, like, pros in the 80s, like, Nas Compass, Marcus Austin, and Ron Allen used to draw on their shoes. And I was like, <laughs> I'm in this, motherfucker. Nice. <laughs> like, wait, so I remember I brought that book back to him, and I put it on homie's desk. I was like, I'm in that. You can't give a book to a nigga that he's in. <laughs> like, like, I got a history up in this, man. That was almost disrespectful. Like, you know, oh, here you go, Anthony. Here's the book, you know. All about people doing shows like yours. Oh wow, you're you're in it. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, just doing it. Oh, didn't know that. You know, and I was like looking at them like, hey man. And so I said to them once again, marketing. I'm like, you guys should put me in a train show, blow that up, eight and a half mile, blow it up, eight feet by eleven feet, set my ass in front of it with some paint pins and some white shoes. This is wrong new shoe. Look at it, he's drawing on it and shit. And they were like. Damn, like, like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, you guys, things market themselves if you let them. Yeah. You know? And especially if you, like, in the shoe world, it really, I saw that a lot. In the shoe world, like, I brought Dell the Funky Homo Sapien to Osiris. I was like, y'all, like, this is Dell. Y'all should know, but if you don't, you better ask somebody, but this is Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah. Now, if I would have stayed within the designing of that shoe, I would have said, Dell probably needs a low top. With like a little bitty hieroglyphic circle, dot, 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 to get a little money to the hiero guys. You get the DEL, little like cursive writing DEL on the side, low top shoe. Let's go sell 90,000 of those. For sure. I know I will. Why? Because he gets out on the road. He's great at marketing himself. He's a great rapper. And at the end of the day, this man probably deserves it. So it would be awesome to see him get that. No, I get dropped off that list. I'm not on that list. Next thing you know, I bring it in, but then I'm not on the design list. I'm not on the design meetings. I'm not as it gets to. And then I see a shoe come out, and it's the sky top. And I'm like, you know, because I've been making shoes and being in the shoe thing and understanding they're making my shoes, I'm going, ooh, this market is changing, and it's low topping, and it's not high topping. And really, we should, you know, and I'm seeing that next thing you know, he's got a sky top. And I'm like, God damn, man, I wish I could have stayed in this. I could have, I could have led you back down to the low top. <laughs> That's not gonna really do well right now. Yeah. It's like, it's on the rhyme. It's an Osiris shoe. It's a big boot type of shoe. It's not, you know, kids are skating in, in these low tops now. And I was like, yeah. And then he went to some Brazil company and they made a low top and sold a bunch of shoes in Brazil and super stoked. But here I am going, here you go. You know, I bring people to things to make it happen for them. Now, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah, yeah. Know? So I've learned that now, instead, incorporate that into my own life and bring myself to it. And yeah. do the thing to, you know. And I think that's something that musically I've noticed where, you know, I, um, I did a gig with this guy named Jason Moran. And at the time, at the time he asked, like, it was like he knew me from music and the 8th Street video. 
And uh, Kent from FTC was like, hey, we got this mini ramp at the San Francisco Jazz Center. And this guy, Jason Moran, likes to play with his band next to the mini ramp. And I'm like, whoa, that's hella cool. And so I meet him, and he goes, oh, I know who you are. You're, you know, you, I, I remember your music. As a matter of fact, I got, I kind of practiced all your H Street tunes. And I was like, oh, I, I don't really do those anymore. And he goes, you don't? I go, no, I kind of just rhyme. He goes, sick. He goes, so how about if we call you up to the stage with this little piano thing and come up and kick some rhymes? I'm like, okay, hell yeah, right? And so I get up on stage with them, kick some rhymes, have a good time, do a second show with them, kick some rhymes. And his friends from like, I think it was like his bass player's friends or something were sitting backstage and they're like, so, so when's your next show? And I'm like, I got no next show. And they're like, like, you don't do this? And I said, do what? And I'm like, do shows, you, you don't perform? I go, oh, no, man, I was like, Kent, you know, Kent's a homie, and some of the homies were here, you know. I was like, let's run for the homies, man. Like, And they're like, look, blood. You got up on that stage and said subterranean, cranium, and geranium, man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I like those, I like a lot of words, man. And they're like, you need to get out there and do this, man. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you need to try to do some shows. Like, get out there and perform, bro. And I was like, oh, you know, you guys are being nice, trying to be nice to an old man, you know. <laughs> they're like... Well, we didn't know you was an old man, and we like what you say, and you might find a lot of people out there like what you say. Well, right after that, Tony Hawk and invited like me and Tony Mag and some other people to this Ann Arbor Park opening, and they had this Rosa Parks Boys place out there in Detroit. And so Tony and my friend um, Jesse hit him up, and that was like my literally first solo show. I've been in bands and all these things for so many years, but that was like my first MC Intelligence solo show in Detroit, and it was like. Were you ne Were you nervous? I was freaked out. Like, <laughs> I was, uh, like what am I doing? I, got, I was. I think it was weird because you know I had a skate demo the next day, so I, I kept forgetting that I had a skate demo the next day. Like I was so nervous for the rhyme of it that when I was done, I went, "Oh shit, I got a skate tomorrow." So like it was funny, but. There's when I realized, and Tony Magnuson, who, you know, a lot of people can say what they want, but he said, he, listened, he was sitting there and listened to the whole set, and he said, man, I've always loved your music, and you should do this more, and, and then Jesse Denherter was like, dude, I'll help you as much as I can, I'll give you everything that I can, and that was my first show, and then just kind of like more shows, tours, and just kind of asking people, and, and a lot of stuff I do is via skateboarding, it's like, it's kind of amazing that... Music and skateboarding have such a connection like that. Like, I call Jimmy Pelletier, like, well, I want to tour Jimmy, but I kind of see you do your event, but I don't, I don't really know to do it yet. He goes, dude, this is crazy. I'm sitting at lunch with Abdul, and he's the owner of the Velvet Lounge and Nightclub. Do you want to play September 13th? <laughs> I'm like, well, I, yeah, sure. Let's get it. <laughs> At a gig. And the idea is just like skateboarding tour. Once you get a gig, now you can form gigs around it. Yeah. So the of getting a confirmation on this gig, then now, okay, now I've got a gig in New York City. Now I can build gigs around it. Yeah. And it's, been, it's just real. It's just like skateboarding again. Setting up the tour, making sure you get there, doing a better job. And now, for the first time going up this year, and now I'm, I'm going out on these, this tour right now with, with Theo Han, and it's a 90s photo show. So his photos are hanging beautifully up with some amazing shots. And then I bring the little 90, 90 ghetto blaster with a sick mic and kick some of the tunes off the album. And so, so we give people a chance to kind of see some 90s photos, get that little 90s feel back again, you know, and then 
we think we got let's see we'll do we're going dc baltimore new york on this one talking to the guys in chicago trying to just go we were actually going to go to seattle and portland but the weather kind of thingy so we're really stoked in how it's like working out and we're bringing that kind of 90s vibe but i think it's awesome because dale's photos are sick and then what i see with the music is is that a lot of scanners don't know i do that type of music they have no clue and so they now but going to the east coast those guys have heard me so it's like it's gonna be crazy because I did the one in San Francisco and everyone was just sitting there like I saw people looking at me like I didn't know. Where in the East Coast it's like I'm going home, man. Like yo, I like I like I've, you know I'm playing uh, bread soda in DC. Um, I'll be at View Skate Shop in Baltimore. What and, Gary? What up, Gary? Yeah, Gary, man. Gary Smith. Uh, dude, that that man. That's one of that guy's another ripper for his age. Dude, Gary Smith shreds. He always has. So good. <laughs> Man, having kids, shops, and just still falling down. <laughs> where, where else are you going? So, so we're trying to. We're just talking to Alex at Sensei in New York. Nice. So, and I get up to Sensei, and then that'll be the that one. Then we've got once the album's done, I have my album, and I was working on uh, like a book. And so we're come back through New York, doing the Max Fishes, and then you know probably go all the way. I do the Sloop sometimes, where it's like New York to Detroit, through to Chicago, and it's just you know, the idea is just. Get out there and make your music, and now that with these platforms in place, with the website and stuff, you can actually see yourself making some money and keeping it going. Because that's really what it's about. Like I think a lot of times people think music is about fame until you get out there and do it, and it's like a second job that you really love to do, and you wish you just could work that job instead of the other job. But you realize it takes time for people to know who you are, and it takes time for popularity and all that. But a lot of times it's like you have a message in what you're saying. And that's the important thing is like, no matter what you do, you should probably like a lot of these people, American idols and stuff like that. It's rad to see these people do that. But it, I always say, well, what are you going to do when nobody shows up? Or what are you going to do when you go to New York and there's Spencer and there's John Reeves and there's Ray Lanos and you're super stoked that RB brought his girlfriend. That's why. Yeah. Now. <laughs> And, now, and then there's the sound man six, and then see sound man brought his girlfriend seven. Okay, yeah. What are you gonna do when you look up at the crowd and there's seven people? Yeah. See, they don't tell you about that in the American Idol competitions because they think that everything's gonna be you walk on stage with thirty thousand people. But what are you gonna do when you walk on stage with thirty people yeah. or one third of thirty people? <laughs> How much you gonna bring it? And yeah. you see, I've been taught to bring it regardless. Like I'll give the seven thousand person show to the seven people regardless yeah. it don't matter because that's what you're supposed to do yeah and see people get it mixed up they think that well i'm famous and they're all gonna be there <laughs> no. it's no, weird like, it's weird because like nowadays to keep like to monetize your art you have to live it you have to really live it and you have to go <laughs> at it it has to come your whole life you know and you have to build it into your life which is crazy uh, and that you know that i i have a song called free and I ask people that if, I always do it at the end of my set and this guy Dig Dug made the sickest beat has like this beautiful like chorus of like sort of chorus of the church choir in it and I ask people are you free you know are you free do you know what's inside of you is inside of me are you free do you know how to love somebody unconditionally and I was recognizing that I'm, I wasn't living the way my music was and so I had to really check myself because if I'm going to go out there asking people that, then I got to be living that. If I'm going to be asking people to live your reality, be free, love yourself, A, I better love myself, I better know my reality, and I better be free. And if I'm not, then, then fuck it, I shouldn't even do it because that's the, the hypocrisy that people are used to in music. They're used to people saying what they don't believe. But then, you see, if you remember back in the 60s and 70s, 
that's when people were saying it and believing it. The fifth dimension. You got a band called Fifth Dimension. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, what were they saying? If you go back and listen to the Fifth Dimension songs, every one of them, it's like, damn, that shit could be playing right now, and it would be, like, popular because it made sense. They were in their heads thinking about what they were saying to people. And this is the thing with rap music, hip-hop, everything. You know, with, with Kendrick Lamar winning a Pulitzer, it tells you that words are powerful. And if you're a rapper and you don't own a microphone and you mumble and you don't say nothing, you're not really helping this culture. You're actually leading this guy. And people will use you to show how idiotic it might look. So that's why I call myself intelligence, not because I feel smarter than people, but because literally, why can't a black person call themselves intelligence? We've been doing well with ignorance for a long time. <laughs> it's like, and to be honest, um, I got robbed in my house on Christmas Day a long time back, and the dudes that came in my house, they like, they were like robbing me, man, taking everything, and I, I don't know how, somehow, like, oh, one of the dudes came downstairs, cocked his gun, and was like, I got to blast you, man. And I was like, what? And he's like, you know, you've seen our faces. You've seen us. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to kill you, man. And I lost it. I lost it. I said, you tell your friends to come down here right now. You tell your friends to come down here right now. Y'all sit, sit down, sit on my couch. See, here's the problem. This, this is my symptom. This is the problem with black folk right here. This is the problem right here. You are worried. Are you going to kill me? And you worried about what gang I'm in. I go, check it out. I am in a gang. They're like, what you claim, nigga? What you claim? I go, I'm in the human race. And it's on a circle. And it's called the earth. And this earth is called karma. If you fuck up on this circle, what goes around comes back around to you. So what you're doing to me right now is fucking up on the circle. It's going to come back around to you. Do you see what I'm saying? I ain't got nothing to do with no gang. I'm in the human race. We're all a human race. It ain't a gang. But if you want to look at it like that, that's the gang I claim it. I'm claiming human race. Okay? You claim whatever you want to claim. But at the end of the day, dude, at the end of the day, I'm playing karma. You playing in bullets? You gonna kill me? I'm like, really, dude? Really? Yeah. They were like, they, and I was like, you came here to steal. Did you get what you wanted? They were like, yeah. And I'm like, I ain't dying over no material object, bro. Go ahead, have it, <laughs> take it. It's yours. I ain't dying over. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Ain't no way going down like that, man. Yeah. And they walked out, and the last dude said to me, "Damn, dude, you're intelligent." <laughs> nice. I'm like, I am, and I'm scared as fuck right now. But I, I just talked myself out of, out of the fucking cemetery. <laughs> and it's amazing what comes out of your mouth when someone's cocking a gun. Yeah. Like real, real, like way real. Look, and I, I really like that. That kind of touches. I was thinking of it earlier. I was like, there's a spark in each of us, like when we were talking about it. Like someone has, sometimes someone brings the, I can't remember what you're saying, maybe the heat or something, but they, they have that spark, that energy, that whatever, you know? To have that, you have to recognize it in yourself, you know? And then you have to like, can't deny it in anyone else, you know? Like it's, that's like to have respect for life is to go, okay, I have a life, so I have to do good with my life because it's the one I've been granted. And now I have to realize everyone else has the same thing. So you can't take it for granted. You have to see the spark in others, you know? Like, intelligence Intelligence is good, though. <laughs> well, intelligence can speak back from the grave and can make it so that at some point in your life, I think our parents, the name of my album is Do You Have Intelligence? And the reason why I ask that is because I think people forget that they do. Like, they know what's right, they know what's wrong, but sometimes we get caught up in what's cool. And sometimes it ain't cool. Like, and I make a joke about that. Like, a lot of times, being from the 80s and 90s and seeing all this stuff, 
it's amazing how they try to make stuff so cool that back in the day was not cool. <laughs> but I was there. It wasn't cool. Nobody thought it was cool. Nobody liked that shit. And y'all bring that right back, trying to act like, oh, everyone thought it was cool. And no, they didn't. They thought it was whack. And do. You know what I mean? And if there's so many things like that that you're like, so why do you guys keep bringing whack things back? Like, why'd you bring some cool? Oh, you can't bring cool things back because though you stole all the cool shit. <laughs> that's what I said everyone that's what I was saying I'm like everyone's a master marketer they're trying to sell you some bullshit just because they can't they're not living it so they're just trying to like copy the next person to try to get rich or whatever I'm like even if you got rich you don't even value the money like you don't that's all you're chasing is like you're lusting after something you don't even know how to maintain you don't have experience you don't even value it to where you would share it with others you know like it's unbelievable money, money is energy and that's what we've okay, yeah uh, that money is just energy. It's the energy. If I'm buying something from you, I'm giving you that money. That money is an energy that you can use to spark you to, you know, buy some weed, buy some beers, buy some food. Energy. If you look at money as energy, then that's what, okay. What's funny about a lot of people in this world is that they don't look at money as energy and they think that the more money they have gives them some sort of status. But if you understand status and energy, if you have too much energy, that's like a nuclear disaster. So a lot of times people that have a lot of money are like walking nuclear disasters because at the end of the day, you that loving of oneself and that belief in oneself will help you to do a lot of things in your life that would change. You can change the world. My dad used to say that um, it's crazy that in every town in America you see a Chinatown and every town in America you see Chinatown. And he goes, but if, if the NBA players were as much money as they make, every town in America you would you'd see a black town where it would be completely funded by black people. I'm not saying in a segregation way. I mean, in, in the fact that in Chinatown, Chinatown handles its own. They handle people within the framework. You can, they handle their shit in that reality. And in our reality, you don't see that in, in American cities. Black town or African town, or I wouldn't say African, but I'm saying, you know, a town created by the amount of money made by black people that you go there and maybe you find out more about black culture. Why? Oh, because it's too busy calling it the ghetto. But at the end, our culture shouldn't be called the ghetto, and it can be called Black Town. And that's what I'm, it's like, it's sad that Chinatown, but it's not that. And, and that's kind of what I see a lot in just, in Oakland here, you know, it's like a lot of people think in Oakland, I got a jack to get better. But at the end of the day, you don't. And and it's like, it's it's sometimes sad, because it, it's, it, it's sort of taught that, oh, if I jack, I get better. And it's like, well, no, I ain't never seen nobody get better from that, man. I've always had to, like, tell kids, man, think of, do something else, man. Think of something else. Come up with something else, you know, if, if you can. And if you can't, then, like, leave. Because what is mostly happening to people is you do ill, stay here. The person remembers you, and there's your beef. And that's really what it comes down to. Don't do ill. If someone has beef with you, you're like, why? I didn't do anything. And I've seen that, like, when I went on my first tour... I made a, made a song with a guy, and it was a skateboard song, I thought, and he didn't skateboard, but he came to me and made the song, then he got really mad that I did the song out on tour, then he was like, you know, this time we are on the streets, you know, and I was like, look, man, and I had to say, look, man, I do 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups a day, you want to meet me in the street, we can do this, but I seen you a little bit, you know, a little chubby, just remember, I'm down for 9 to 10, or we can go 15 rounds with this, and he was like, okay, well, when I see, all right, when we see each other. I was ready because I'm like, look, man, uh, I didn't steal your music. Wouldn't have to. I like my own music too much. Second of all, I wouldn't. You, you don't skateboard. What the hell are you making a skateboard song for? Oh, because it's. Thank you for telling me that's how popular skateboarding is. Yeah. 
that's the sad reality that skateboarding now is like it's it's the bastard son of being picked off man it's getting picked off every different way mm -hmm. and every way that it gets picked off is people who don't really love it they just see it as a money-making thing yeah and I, I love when people who love it do well in it because they deserve it and you feel good about it it's a good feeling to see people do well in it like I, like niger i think niger should be looked at and hailed as one of the most amazing athletes of all time because I've yet to hear some of these guys, these professional players, they sign big contracts and maybe football players, basketball players, and baseball players, they don't get that they don't get that year started good. Maybe at the end of the year they're good, but it, but this dude signs a fat deal and then goes and puts on a part that would be like, you could easily slow down and not do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like you really ain't gotta do that. But since you did that, damn blood, like that's amazing. And I don't mean it like the money. I mean it more like this man put it down and had a contract that probably don't have to work the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's to me, that's a skateboarder. Because he ain't caring about that shit. He's caring about how good it looks when he lands that shit. Yeah. And if that's what skateboarding is to me at 55, which is the same thing that I saw at 13. And that's why I'm saying sometimes in this game, whatever, it really ain't about how cool you is. It's about landing your shit and knowing that your shit's there. Like, you know, like, that's, I, I feel like sometimes I watch kids skate sometimes and I'm like, do you like it? Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> know, and y'all gotta be here if you don't. Like, we've gone a lot less before. We'll do just as fine without. You want, I mean, it's not like you gotta be hardcore. Cause I love the kids that you go, he's gotta be hardcore. Maybe not right now, cause he lives at home. But the minute that nigga lives the house, he's gonna live in that skating house, skating hard, doing his thing. And I love that when you see that in kids. I love that. Because that, that's, that's our, that's our skate culture growing. Yeah. You know, like, that's us growing. You know, and like, as a 55-year-old company guy, I've seen a lot of guys that are sponsored move on and do wonderful things. And, you know, I I, I was kind of like, ah, maybe I've done enough. And then it's like, oh, you haven't. Do more. If you can, why not? And at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. It's really about, hey, can I help more people? Can I get more people started skateboarding? I remember professional skateboarding looked to me like the Harlem Globetrotters. The Harlem Globetrotters said they were, like, out to promote basketball to everybody. They didn't really care how good you were. They just wanted you to get a basketball play. Well, when I first turned pro at skateboarding, I took that approach. Like, I just want to promote skateboarding to everybody so that you want to go skate. Because, and then and the skate camp thing was, pre the skate camp thing was really selfish too. The skate camp thing was based off, if I teach you skateboarding for five days, right, and get you really into it, by that fifth day, I know your ass is going to the shop. I know it. I know it. I'll bet on it. I'll bet on it. Like, out of 25 kids in my, in my camp, I would say, 15 of you are going to the shop on Saturday or Friday, right? And it's like, to me, that was, that was the pride. Like, yes. I didn't, like, I don't make you a skateboarder. I just give you the, I facilitate the opportunity for you to see how it is. And if you like it, hell yeah. If you don't, hey man, go get some inlines or some scooters or whatever. Don't know this, fun zone. But at the end of the day, man, I, I like paint. I like seeing the, the skate people skate. I love it when girls, guys, everybody skates because they get so stoked. Yeah. It gets paint, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm with and you. Real. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm the same way. Like, it's funny, the lessons, though, they end up being for me because I, like, I do them on the weekends in the morning and I'm like, I learned more than this kid. Like, I pushed this kid hard and in doing that, I learned a whole bunch, like, every uh, time. Oh my God, man! I tell you, I, I, 
Ooh, some of my private lessons have taught. I mean, some of my private lessons have made me like literally after the kid goes, I sit there at the park, kind of like, whoa, dude, mm-hmm. like, like made me like, whoa, like, like uh, uh, I was with Marty Morowski and Kier, and we were um, a funny story for you. Not funny, but it, it, it has a fun. <laughs> this, is, this is skateboarding, right? We're at this, the park in uh, Baltimore, filming with Kier. Marty Morowski's there. I think, I don't know if Zach was there. I think it was somebody else that there. I think uh, Robert was there, chilling, trying to get some tricks. And I'm trying to do, like, a burial heel flip out of this huge bank, like, catch it super high, and then, like, land it to the ground. I'm just not doing it. Not doing it. See a dude walk by. He's kind of got a weird, like, gait to his walk. I'm like, oh, whatever. Just think about it, seeing whatever. Come back around, and now the dude is, like, sitting on the ground. I was like, oh, what a trip. Bailed it again, came back around, and I'm like, hey, man, you need some help. And he's like, no. I'm like, all right. Came back around, bailed it again. Came back around, I'm like, hey, man, you need some help. And he's like, you would help me? And I'm like, yeah, dude. And he goes, trying to get to the top of that hill, man. I'm like, yo, dude, I got you, dude. I got you. He's like, what? I said, yo, hold on a second. Snowboard down. You know, guys, get some drinks or something. Go over. Go, Let's go, man. But, you know, get a little arm under him. Start hiking up this hill, man. Get up about halfway. And he's like, dude, you don't got to do this, man. You can go back. I was like, what? We halfway, dude. He's already given up, bro. <laughs> about three quarters of the way up, he kind of falls in almost like a Indian sit position. And I'm like, I'm trying to hold him up, but I kind of lose him. And then he sits there. And then I kind of help him stand up. And he goes, whoa, I did it. I go, did what? He goes, that's the first time I've stood up and... A long time. And I was like, dude, you did that. I go, my mom used to say, if you want to see where you went, you have to look at where you came from. That shows you how far you went. So I go, look, we went from all the way down here to here. Now we just got this little bit. So we got up to the top of the hill. Get up to the top of the hill. I'm like, yeah, that's my dog. And I'm like, tell him. He's looking at me like, nigga, you celebrating like I'm like, we did it, dude. Kick for a back lip. Kick for a back lip. That's what it was. I said, well, Stephon, man, I got you, man. That's how we That's how we do, man. We help each other, man. That's how we did, you know. He's like, yeah, I go, you know, I was just down there, like, stressing a trick. And I go, thanks, man. And he goes, there you go. And he goes, well, yeah, dude, I, I, I got in a car accident, like, uh, six months ago. And uh, my they, my spine was, like, broken. They redid it. And now I can, I can walk. But... Uh, you know, the store is like a, like, this is a shortcut to the store. If not, I gotta walk like three miles around. So, man, thank you so much. You know, and I'm like, dude, no problem. Like, anytime I can help somebody, I'm excited. Like, and he goes, I saw that, man. You know, you have a good day. Shake his hand. Run back down the hill, sit next to Monty Morowski, and he looks at me, and I'm just crying. <laughs> He's like, what are you crying for? I go, man, I'm stressing landing a burial flip, and I just met a man who couldn't walk. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Marty looked at me and he saw. I thought you were running around the corner smoking weed. <laughs> I was like, no, dude. I was getting school. The <laughs> world. Let's get school. It was like straight universal school. Just like, man, you gonna trip about a trick? This nigga can't even walk. Slow your ass down. Yeah. And then we landed the trick too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're for, we're fortunate to have skateboarding in our life to be. I mean, I've been there too, where I'm just like so caught up in a trick, you want to control the situation and make shit happen. But 
But yeah, there's definitely people in less situ- way rougher situations. Yes, yes, and and if you can if you can help and you like you know like uh, like I had my laptop was getting I remember I was working on a project my laptop just zilch. I called up Apple like yo man I got my shit fixed I got two days to finish this shit they're like well you have to go to the San Francisco Marina store I'm like uh, I'm in Berkeley I'm gonna pass four Apple stores on the way to get to that store <laughs> they're like that's the store you gotta go to bro I'm like. Okay, dude, jump in the car. I remember I was doing laundry. I was like, oh shit, I'm on laundry, hurry, hurry, I got to go, I got a two o'clock appointment, right? I jump in the car, I don't even fold my laundry, just put it in a bag, jump, throw it in the trunk, drive over to the city, walk in the door, they're like, Ron Allen, I'm here, fuck yeah! <laughs> two o'clock, right on the door, dude's like, looks at my computer, opens it up and goes, dude, this is your lucky day. I said, what do you mean? He goes, this is the 90th day of your 90 day warranty. What? What? And he goes, and I go, so if I'm showing up tomorrow, he goes, that'll be 91 days, you really fucked. And I'm like, oh, and he goes, no, we would have, you know, we would work with you, you know, 91 day, 90 days. He goes, today is the 90th day of your 90 day warranty. I'm like, sick, you're going to fix it. So he fixes it. And I'm like, yeah, so I'm just popping out the Apple store, like, I got my computer, I'm inhaling it, right? And I just, like, walk out the store, and I, this dude, like, walks right to me. I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. He goes, man, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, man, why not? Well, you know, because you know how people on streets, they want to borrow quarters and dimes and nickels? I'm like, yeah, what up? He goes, can I ask you a favor? And I'm like, what do you need? He goes, do you have, like, any, like, shirts or pants? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait right here. Realizing that I had just done laundry, I had just I had just done laundry to basically I no longer was on Osiris anymore and I had all these Osiris clothes that I was gonna wash and then to like take them to the Goodwill or something. So I go to my car, two pairs of jeans, two t shirts, like a pair of boxers, some socks, skate back, and just hand it to him. Nice. He's like he takes it and he looks at me and he just begins to cry and I'm like, Did I I'm like, did I fuck up? Like, I, I thought I was doing something cool and he goes I, I didn't think that, I thought you were just skating off, you're never going to give anything to me, and then you came back, and he goes, this is exactly what I need to get, I got to get a job, and I have a job interview tomorrow, but I don't have any clean clothes, I've been on the streets for like a long time, and I go, man, there's two pairs of jeans, there's a pair of boxers, there's a pair of shorts, there's, you know, you're, you're good to go, bro, and he just is crying, and this lady walks up on the streets like, like, she thinks that I'm like, doing something to him, she's like, did he do something to you, and, and he looks at the lady and goes, yeah, he just gave me a chance to move on in my life. And I'm just like, I get it. And I'm like, I'm all, and I go, and he goes, I go, dude. And he goes, yeah, and thank you so much. You know, you didn't even, you know, you went out of way. And I'm like, you know what, dude? I had to do that. Yeah. And he goes, go. I was wondering, what the hell did they send me all the way to the marina store for? What the hell? I'm like, what? And then it's like, oh, it ain't really about your laptop, is it? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, realizing those things is what made me realizing that skateboarding is a spiritual thing. And the way I look at it now is so spiritually and so wonderful for that, that it gives me an opportunity to push myself and even at my age, push myself. So uh, I look at it as more like, almost like a martial art where, you know, if you had a, a stick or a pair of nunchucks or, you know, any of those type of things, and you did it for 30 years, 40 years, where would you be with it? And I think that's how a lot of us as skateboarders are. We've done it so long. It's like a natural extension of us. And then as that becomes an extension, it's how many things we evolve in our life that come back from learning to try tricks and learning to go for things and I just I, I kind of was trying to shut it down kind of keep denying it a little bit for these last couple of years like nah nah 
relevant. Like I'm not denying it anymore, man. I think it's the best thing ever. Let me <laughs> let me let me stop you and thank you first of all because one I'm. F- I'm, like, from a broken family, and skateboarding, like, my mom has done drugs my whole life. My father passed away when I was 13. He was in a motorcycle gang, and he was shot and passed away shortly after. But I found skateboarding right when that was going on. I was, like, 12, 13. And uh, I also fell in love with hip-hop, too, which is so ironic we're talking. Because and I fell in love with, like, the lyrics of it, like, the fact that... I was like, I like conscious rappers, people that talk about their situation, their environment. There's, I like poetry, obviously. Some of my favorite rappers are like Talib, Most Def, Jay Z. Um, the list goes on and on. I love Brother Ali a lot. Of, he's like really good rapper. Um, so good. Brother Ali, Brother Ali went to junior high with my friend Jesse. What well, sick? <laughs> Yeah, dude, one of the best fucking hip-hop MC out there, for sure, killing it. But yeah, hip-hop, dude, the fact that I gotta thank you, because I'm so glad that you don't deny it, and you keep the spark going, and that, because even like a skateboarder, as you get into your, I'm 35, and like, it's getting more accepted, but you still feel like, people make you feel like you're wasting your time, or they don't understand how special it is, like how much it consumes your life, and it it can help you, it's like a vehicle to develop yourself, if you choose to use it that way, you know, like, so. so true that your development, because of who you are, and that skateboard, wouldn't, you wouldn't be who you are, take that away. Yeah. Now, take away all the, like, and where you come from, and where you've been in your life. Take that skateboarding away. You might have gone down paths that you don't even want to go down. For real. Always, it's like this, I say this all the time. I've been with a lot of women, been with enough women, I should say, and I've been through a lot of things, but it seems like that skateboard remains constant. And when I'm skating, I, I can always skate away. And I remember, I kind of came from that, you know, like, you know, I wasn't really wanted as a kid, you know what I mean? My parents kind of, man, I wasn't really wanted. And I sort of came anyway. And so from that, skateboarding has always been something that, like, man, when I latched onto that, and it's just the most, I, I don't feel like it owes me a dime. As a matter of fact, to this day, I still owe it because yeah. it's paid my bills and made a living for me. And so I, I, I feel indebted to it then if I don't go out and help somebody skate or take an old board like I just took a big old box of shoes to the park uh-huh. not, like you know it's like if I don't do these things there's something wrong with me not with that not with it like there's that saying I like skateboard I like skateboarding but I don't like skateboarders and at first I used to think that was kind of felt that way and then I was like no no I ain't even like the skateboarders that don't like me that's, <laughs> the, that's, the, that's the funniest thing that's the truest of truth I even I love the skateboarders that are like now fuck that Ron Allen guy, man, you old and shit, man. But there might not that be that many, but even those dudes, because their reasons are their reasons. And it's like when Grosso was talking, he was on the nightclub talking about where he came from. I thought that was awesome. I've had, you know, some little weird beefs with him in some levels, but I think he's one of the aw- most awesomest part of skateboarding. All of us. Like, I almost believe that, like, if you were a skateboarder in the 80s, they were straight beta testing skateboarding on you, man. Like, oh, here's some big wheels, and we were checking out these pants, and you're like, this is so cool, this is so dope. And they're like, yep, they like it. Okay, they're weird, but yeah, they like it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but then when, like, Mike Mo said this to me one time, he said, man, 
Thanks, bro. You guys really, through all your thinking, you made it so that when we got to us, it was sick. Like the board, we didn't have to worry about wheels, didn't have to worry about trucks, didn't have to worry about board shapes, didn't have to worry about grip tape, didn't have to worry about clothes. You guys had refined everything for us to have the best. Because that's why we just dropped the best and sickest tricks. And that's how I see like the, like those like guys like in your your era were like the same way. Where it was like that you were still you were still fashioning the knife. You know what I mean? Like you were there, we're all like making it good for people, but it took long times to get like shapes down and shit like that. So you see when people do have that it's really, really cool and that like Michael had a respect for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like dope. Yeah, Ron, Ron, I, I want to say thank you so much. This has been a pleasure, man, and uh, I aspire to have the same fucking youthful energy and passion about life as you and I'm your age. Because, <laughs> dude, some people let that spark go out, and the fact that you're a skateboarder and you're still like, I'm going to be like this for sure, so you make me feel like I, I can aspire to be that, so thank you. <laughs> and the spark, and remember this, that spark is always in you, and that's the thing, it's like, you're a skater. It's like, no matter what, muscle memory. <laughs> Sometimes when I tell older guys, I'm like, hey man, you know, muscle memory, bro. What do you mean? You learned it like back then. It's still in there. <laughs> Sick, man. Well, fuck yeah, Ron. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, if people want to check out anything you're creating, any websites or social media you want to share right now, that would be awesome. But the, the new website's going to be called ronallenalifeoffun.com. And then we we'll still have the Intel music site, and they'll drop, and I'll throw them Insta, and they'll just, you know, I've got like a bunch of old, like old ADI boards and fun stuff, and just, to, just, hey, you know, throw a price on it, you guys want it, it's all good, you know, hit me back, we'll get some cash and have it without that. Simple and stoked. People are really like stoked about like old life stuff, like old life jackets and sweatshirts and stuff that I, you know, skateboarder hoarder. You know what I mean? You know, like I'm sure you got stuff from like, Fireboro. My lady's so she wants me to get rid of it. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> I've got closets. I'm in it, dude. You can see it. This is my fucking. I'm in the. <laughs> the behind you. Like, dude. But you, you, know, you know what though? In all honesty, respect to what you do, bro, and respect that you give a guy out here on the West Coast an opportunity to to speak to the people out there and and i watched your show and i thought i think it's just amazing that people like yourself decide to do this and and you know who knows what whatever is going and, and i hope the best but in a sense i really appreciate it because a guy like you gives a person like me an opportunity to to speak on stuff that maybe nobody would ever know or hear and, and at the end of the day maybe it is in skate lore or whatever but it does make you feel good that some people, it kind of makes me feel like people care in a sense, and that's that's dope. No, nah, you you guys are legends to me, man. I I'm like just like Mike Mo, I'm extremely grateful to be a part of skateboarding and all those that came before me that made it awesome and contributed to it. It like skateboarding has enriched my life. Anyone who's a skateboarder knows that, and, the, and it's because you guys keep it in your life and keep growing. Like you guys are, I have something to aspire to. You know, like I know a lot of skateboarders that let it go and they just they felt like they had to get a normal job or like some weird pressure talked them out of being what they are you know but you're you're a skateboarder so thank you <laughs> yeah well in closing <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah Ron you are the man take care of yourself be good but all I need life